Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall, and today's topic, the legacy of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And and Austin was actually a decent football player receiving scholarships to Wharton Junior College and the University of North Texas as he went up. However, you know, what? He was also a discus thrower. Oh, oh, that's that's fucking great. God damn it. That's fucking beautiful. When I tune into wrestling podcast, I'm like, God, I hope they talk about Stone Cold discus throwing. Well, why not? <laughs> that blonde hair just fucking in the wind as he's fucking spinning oh, around. Oh, for fuck's sake. Dave, keep going. Just go, you got to be stronger. I'm, I'm trying. Try you're a tough guy. you got to be fucking stronger. Like, so, he's so a strong it, it, force. He's like a tornado. He's going to fucking like. Like Stone Cold's air when he's some throwing shit. You got to fucking say fuck. All right. Okay. Uh, 1989. Austin. I'm one, I'm one to talk. I'm the one that gets off task all the time. And here I am trying to steer this fucking ship. This is bad. <laughs> Guys, we're going to hit the iceberg straight up. I'm just letting you well, know. Well, I am if the iceberg. Put, if you're going to put me in charge of the ship, we're fucking, I'm going to run right into the iceberg. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. This is Jess. You're right. Yeah, there you go. And cuz. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, oh God. God. That's right. I can't wait. Can't and with that, guys, pre, uh, hit us up on Instagram <laughs> and uh, have a good night. I can't wait till this is fucking over. God damn Jesus it. This is going to be bad. This is really going to be bad. Oh, it's fucking stupid. All right. Giving you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, because you want to take it away, you freak. The greatest of all time, Stoke Coat, Steve Austin. This is my legacy, son. God damn it. (laughs) This is fucking so dumb. I can't even believe this. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP19, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or do the easy thing, download WrestlePost, an app at no charge to you, and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm mad at Cuz or if I'm just mad at myself right now about this topic because uh, I, I have to I have to try to outline these topics and some are tougher than others, but this is by far the toughest outline I've ever had to do. And I already hate it. And the fact that Cuz loves it makes me hate it even more. So, Cuz, what do you have to say about that and Stone Cold in general? I think you're just, uh, you know, jealous that your favorite bald hero, uh, Kurt Angle, isn't considered um, one of the biggest. Well, and let's be clear. When it, when it happens, when it happens, it'll happen. Oh, ahead, okay. Ahead, like. Yeah, this episode's already going to be nine hours long. For the love of God, we just yes. have to clear up real quick that we are all three are, are pretty big Stone Cold fans. Yes. So we just get it's Cuz's favorite. For those of you who haven't picked up on that, like He's Hulk Hogan is my out. favorite. Stone Cold is Cuz's favorite. Kurt Angle is Dave's favorite. To make it all simple, like so like Cuz blew his wad on the intro. It's over. yeah. Cuz has been fucking secretly like you know plotting this episode for a long time, and <laughs> well, you we know, did <laughs> like we said, 
You know, you're gobbling Hogan's uh, dick, gobbling my dick brother, and I'm gobbling Austin's dick. I, even, <laughs> I don't even want. I don't even want to do a Hogan episode. So, see, I that's don't true. understand. Like, I don't understand the attack at this. Well, point. Well, because no one wants to hear a Hogan episode. That's why. Um, really? Yeah. That's we, we, sure. We, 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 yeah. We're 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 uh, talking part. Uh, yeah. We're doing parts of his biography in every episode we do. According that's to everybody. Right, yeah, I mean that's what I mean. <laughs> so Hogan actually, this all should be with the subtitle of Hogan's legacy. <laughs> Every every uh, episode, yeah, every episode should be well, not really so much Austin because really he didn't really cross that's paths true. with Hogan that's there. True. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Except for the one time he stunned him a couple times. He hey, cut, cut. Right. could be an asshole. Seriously. Well, you know, yeah. if you're the uh, fan of the toughest SOB, you kind of have to be. Oh an God, asshole. let's get this. No, oh my let's God. Okay, let's just go. Yeah, 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 all right, all, all, all right. Shut shut up. Let me set let me set it up. Oh, you all right. So, Born in Austin, Texas, having three brothers, one younger sister, Wait, part of a divorced family. Uh, who was born? His name was actually what? Anybody know? Mr. Anderson. You fucking interrupted me, cuz. Mr. Anderson. Philip Johnson. What? Steve Anderson. That's his name. He, when, when, when Steve Austin, you know, his, when his mom divorced and remarried, he took on his stepfather's last name of Williams. what? Of Williams. Uh, Frank Stafford. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Williams. <laughs> It's yeah, not well, well. That's that's why it gets changed. But it is yes. it is Steve Williams, and and Austin was actually a decent football player, receiving scholarships to Wharton Junior College and the University of North Texas as he went up. However, you know, as well. what he was also a discus thrower. Oh, oh, that's that's fucking great, guys! Oh. God damn it. That's fucking beautiful. When I tune in a wrestling podcast, I'm like, God, I hope they talk about Stone Cold Discus throwing. Well, why not? <laughs> that blonde hair just fucking in the wind as he's fucking spinning oh, around. Oh, for fuck's sake. Dave, keep going. Just got, you got to be stronger. I'm trying. Try you're a tough guy. You got to be fucking stronger. Like, so, he's so a strong it, it, force. He's like a tornado. He's going to fucking like. Like Stone Cold's air when he's throwing shit. You gotta fucking say fuck All right. Okay. Oh, Nineteen eighty nine. Austin. I'm not one to talk. I'm the one that gets off task all the time. And here I am trying to steer this fucking ship. This is bad. <laughs> Guys, we're gonna hit the iceberg straight up. I'm just letting you well, know. I am if the you're iceberg. Put, if you're gonna put me in charge of the ship, we're fucking I'm gonna run right into the iceberg. But oh go ahead. god. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's go a ahead. fucking train wreck. Okay. Jesus. So in nineteen eighty nine, Austin decides he actually wants to become a professional wrestler. He joins Chris Adams uh, school for wrestling, and he's actually wrestling at about forty dollars a night to start. With that name of Steve Williams, his name was changed to Austin by Memphis Booker Dutch Mantel because there was already, as Cuz already said, because he can't hold his wad, a Dr. Death Steve Williams out there, right? Ventures in WCCW, the USWA, and CWA were all short stints until he signed with WCW in 91. Anything you want to add to that bullshit before we move on to WCW? I mean, I'm not trying to. Yeah, we're just trying to keep this in a decent time. Um, we're trying yeah. to keep this podcast within a 24 hour limit. So, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's not gonna be longer than 24 hours. But, but I mean, I don't want to understate the way he came up in Texas. Obviously, that's his roots and stuff. And gentleman Chris sure. Adams was he, he? You know, in his book, he doesn't say great things. Gentleman Chris Adams, you know, has good qualities about himself and bad qualities. And uh, he's since passed, I believe. Gentleman Chris Adams. Fuck, I hope he has because I just <laughs> said I just pulled that shit out of my ass. I'm like, I think you. he died. <laughs> And took twenty people with him. It was a weird bank robbery. I don't know what happened, but um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So he, uh, uh, um, Chris Adams was a huge point in getting him in there. But I think you know there was like personal animosity at times between uh, him and Chris Adams. And but I mean at the same time, Austin always credits him for giving him his start and really seeing something in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Agreed. So we got we're into WCW fairly quickly uh, by this storyboard but like it wasn't that it wasn't 
crazy fast. 1991 is where Austin pretty much comes in, and he starts working with the Dangerous Alliance very quickly. Not much to really worry about there, but Austin wins his worst, his first title uh, very oh, quickly. Oh, Chris Adams did die. Woo! Oh, thank yeah, God. Woo! I'm so glad thank, I was right. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so I'm pretty factual at this there point. You so, there you so go. So Austin wins his first title very quickly, defeating Bobby Eaton for the TV title on June 3rd of said year, 91. And he joins the Dangerous Alliance soon after that. Uh, well, just, you know, and I want to say on that, I know you're going to kick it to me, and I rudely interrupted you. Yeah, I, I want you to discuss uh, it briefly. sent me a text that said, you know what would be really fun in this episode if we both just cut Dave the fuck off like every 20 <laughs> seconds. And I said, sounds good. See you there. Sounds <laughs> good. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's actually when I started watching WCW in 1991 is when I started watching WCW, mm-hmm. which is amazing because it was such fucking hot garbage. But I... Yeah, you know, I grew up liking Hogan and all that stuff. And as you're a child, you know, you get attracted to the characters. You don't really know what work right means or who's a good wrestler and who's not. You just know good characters and they hook you in. But Mm -hmm. at an early age, I kind of realized that that I liked wrestling for wrestling. You could tell who was a good pro wrestler on there. And I was really attracted to Steve Austin uh, as far as his in-ring work is concerned, because I thought I felt that. Man, this guy's really good. Like, yeah, you know, long blonde hair, and he wore the most hideous trunks, though. Like his WCW trunks, they weren't like the underwear style. They were like the kind of like the speedos, like where it kind of I don't know how, what you call that. <laughs> not not down to the, your knees, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like underwear style. It was like a little bit longer than that, you know. And like they were awful. Like they were like it was like this bunch of shapes on them, like squares and triangles and all that stuff. And they were all different colors. It was ugly as shit. Like he needed major help with his wardrobe, but, um, but, but I really liked him. Like we start, we, Joe and I would watch him wrestle. We're like, God, the Austin guy's really good. Actually. We just liked watching him wrestle. We liked the heel that he played. And he, even though he was young and green ish, like we just liked him a lot. And then he won the TV title and Bobby Eaton's yep. a really, really good worker. So they had a pretty good match. And so to see some young guy come into WCW who was trying to rebuild itself in 91, it was really trying to like, you know, get shake the funk of, you know, like flair leaving and all that stuff. And, you know, I think Austin came in right before that, like right before flair left or got fired. So w- he was part of that whole like collapse slash rebuilding of WCW. So like Dave said, then he ran into Paul Heyman right after that, which is perfect. Great timing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we're, and we're going to get into that for sure. So just to kind of tally that title all the way through um, while he was in the Alliance, he would lose that TV title to the, the man Barry Windham in April of 92. But then he would win it back in May of that same year. Then we move on to 93, uh, where we get into where I, I personally find Austin very charismatic and a lot of fun. The Hollywood Blondes. Well, and hang on. I, sorry. I, don't, I, I know there was a big introduction, mm-hmm. but the Dangerous Alliance should not be understated because. Agreed. Yeah. When, when WCW was dying in 91, at the end of 91, Paul Heyman convinced people backstage, like, look, he was called Paulie Dangerously. That was his name in WCW. Yeah. And he was like, let me fucking like do some creative. Let me manage a faction. Let me do all this. So he uh, WCW signed Ravishing Rick Rude in October of 91. And Paul Heyman became his manager right away with Medusa, who is also another big piece of the puzzle. Medusa, for those of people who don't know, she was a very famous female wrestler before female wrestling was even really big. Like, but Medusa could really go. She trained with men. She really knew how to fight to a certain extent. Uh, she was just a real tomboy, but she was like hot for wrestling standards, you know? 
And I'm not saying she's not hot in general, but you know what I mean by that. Like, you know, so you see her and you're just like, God, like she's athletic and she can wrestle. Oh, what a dream, you know? And so it was really cool to see her with Heyman. So she was sort of like the woman muscle, like in that kind of China before she was China, but she wasn't nearly China size, but she could go with men and she wasn't afraid of them. So having her in that group and Rick Rude started like this revolution, like to where Heyman's like, I'm going to make this cool heel stable. And he got Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco and Arn Anderson to jump in there and, uh, um, they were kind of like, uh, I, I don't want to say a poor man's horseman because that's not fair because they were they were just the next big super group after the horseman, basically, in WCW. Yeah. But they, WCW but they, they didn't do, really resemble the horseman at all. Yeah, really. WCW just wanted to try and keep rehash the horseman. And then after they fired Flair, they were just like, well, what do we do? We need to heal faction, right? WCW was kind of always known for that. So Heyman was perfect. And the Dangerous Alliance was really cool. And they only lasted like eight months or something like that. It really yeah. wasn't that long. But they really like that eight months revived WCW because Ricky the Dragon Steve boat came back and like WCW kind of became kind of cool. Jushin Liger, they introduced their cruiserweight division. Brian Pillman and Liger had great matches. So that to me, I'm I'm fond of that short eight month span because I really remember the Dangerous Alliance and then the cruiserweight division. It all kind of came hand in hand. And a lot of that was because Paul Heyman was creating good shit in the back, you know, and people were sort of feeding off his energy and all that. And Russell War 92, for those of you who haven't, go to the network or go to YouTube and type in Russell War 1992 and watch the main event War Games match. Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance is probably the best War Games match there, there's ever been. Um, God, Austin bled like a pig like in that match. And like it was so good. Go back and watch that match. And that was, again, uh, Russell War 92, WCW, the Dangerous Alliance versus Sting Squadron. Excellent yeah. match. Good I mean, it's, it's probably the best War Games match they've ever had. Two wrestlers to go, and then we hit the match beyond, where it then becomes strictly who will quit. He may they can use that as a weapon. Remember, no disqualification. My oh, gosh, look at this. And I, and I really think that you gave it its due there, Jess. So no, no pun intended. That was, you know, the Dangerous Alliance needs its needs its fifteen minutes, it, right? It does. I like how Ar- yeah. Arn Anderson even stated, and this is just gonna, you know, play back on, uh, you know, us, you know, just you specifically making fun of Jim Hurd. Oh, Ar- no, I don't. Ar- <laughs> how Arn Arn Anderson said in an interview, dangerous, you know, he that they were one of the greatest groups, you know, as far as talent wise, but that they never became anything huge because of incompetent bookers, and he, you know, mentions Jim Hurd, Kip Allen, and Bill Watts. Fantastic. <laughs> so I, it just makes me laugh true. when I now, especially when I hear Jim Hurd, I just, I just, I die every time because I think of the money. The money. We'll make the monies. We like, don't want money. Then, We're not going to make them. Good and then legitimately, like, yeah, I mean, if WCW didn't have this injection of youth in at late 91, Austin was oh, a big part of that. They and getting died. part of the Dangerous Alliance. Like, that's a big, that's a big deal right then and there. I mean, the TV title was a big deal back then, you know, back in the early yeah. 90s, titles meant something. And so, like, for Austin to get put on, he's a young guy. He gets with the Dangerous Alliance. Paulie liked him then. So, yes. their their relationship will continue. But go on, Dave. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. And that's why he's a two time TV champion at that point. And we roll into 93 with the Hollywood Blondes and the Stud Stable. And like I said, I, I love this early part of Austin's career. I always wonder what it could have been because things, things kind of got in the way, injuries and other items. But Austin forms a tag team with Brian Pillman, who is the Hollywood Blondes. He was kind of forced because after the Dangerous Alliance sort of fell apart, Dusty, mm-hmm. I want to say, became the booker for a bit. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, when am I going to get my shot? You promised me a singles run. And then he was just like, no, no baby, we're going to 
We're gonna put you with Oz. We're gonna put you with Oz, baby. And you, and oh Oz god, are gonna the, you're gonna fight at Super Bowl in our archives, ladies and gentlemen, for every championship, baby. And you guys are gonna unify the belts, and it's gonna be you and Oz, and we're gonna fight everybody else. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so no, technically, really, what he said was, you know, I we like you where you're at, or something like that. I, Austin does a good impersonation, like no, baby, we like it where you're at right now. You're gonna stay where you're at, and so he got put with Pillman, and it was just a shit pairing. He was like, we're gonna put you with Brian Pillman. Just you guys are really talented. You guys are gonna do stuff you guys are gonna you know mm-hmm. zip and zap and dippity dap and do all this stuff and so austin was pissed off and so but pillman was the positive guy and he's like dude let's let's make this work you know like let's do this let's get matching gear let's do that let's be like from hollywood and pillman he even gives pillman credit like pillman was positive in that pillman's like dude we could fucking like we're really talented both of us are so we have no problem like we can yes. do this so they came up yeah. with the hollywood blonde gimmicks and they they did like the mimic when they pantomimed the, you know, the filming, the camera, you know, like they yeah, the camera yeah, they, they would beat I up prelims that. and they, you know, they, they'd photo, they'd, they'd film the pain on their prelims face and all that stuff. And they're beating prelims up and all that. And like, they so really, good. they made it their own and they got matching vests and matching tights and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Their music was badass and they actually did really well, which is funny because they almost did so well to where the bookers were like, well, fuck, we didn't think you're going to get over, which is unfortunate because that's how WCW was. And they actually won the tag titles. I'm sure Dave's going to cover that right now. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, that's right where we're at. In March of 93, the Blondes would actually defeat Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas and hold those titles for five uh, months. The reason why I say it's it's a wonder of what could have been, Jess, because they held those titles, but there was an injury due to Pillman uh, coming up, right? Um, so I wanted to discuss, you kind of already discussed the chemistries of the blonde and the Blondes, but also what brought them to a quick end, Jess? Talk about that um, and where those titles finally fall off their waist. I think, you know, it was the injury from Pillman. I think that, uh, I think that's what did it. You know, WCW was just moving so fast. They were changing fucking bookers and, and, yeah. and top regimes like every six months, literally six months to a year. There was someone new in charge, someone with a new executive vice president or something like that, or a new head booker. And so it sucked. So basically Pillman got injured. Um, I want to say Steve Regal sub, uh, subbed in. Yeah. And they lost so, to the yeah. horsemen, uh, Arn Anderson and Paul Roma of all people. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, they, they were supposed to lose like to the, you know, beat the Hollywood blondes, but Pillman got injured, but they still wanted to take the belts off him. So they put Steven Regal in there and Steve Regal and Steve Austin lost the tag titles to Which Roma so and Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's the other answer. Why did that happen? This is WCW. We want to make so, the monies. So yeah. yeah. And, and after that, it basically it sucked because then they were going to be like, okay, let's make Austin a singles guy. Yeah, so, so that's this is where he takes his solo run. He joins the stud stable, uh, ran by Colonel Parker. Uh, Austin betrays Pillman in this time frame. He beats him at Clash of the Champions. Great match, by the way. Go back and see that. Really great, great match. match. Yeah, check that out for sure. Um, and then they put him right in a U.S. title run. He actually defeats Dustin Rhodes in a two out of three falls match at Starcade in December of 93. And he holds that until August of 94. So it's a pretty good run. Um, you know, you're getting close to a year on that losing to Steamboat and what everyone says is also a really great match. So, yeah, that one, it was a Steamboat at Clash of the Champions. And uh, I want to say mm-hmm. what month did you say that was? August of 94. I want to say that was the same show that Hogan and Flair had the rematch on. If I'm just thinking off memory. Probably. Yeah. Hogan beat Flair at Bash at the Beach. And then after that, that, that next Clash of the Champions, they had a rematch. And I want to say that's when, and that is an excellent match. Go back and watch that. It's really excellent. You know, Steve, 
I'm glad as a Steve Austin fan, I was just glad when they pushed him in WCW. But, you know, looking back and I think during the period, I I knew it deep down inside, but I didn't want to admit it that they just they were just trying to, like, make it work. You know, they put the U.S. title on him and he was a great U.S. champion, but they were looking, especially when they hired Hulk and Bischoff took over. It was more of like a God, we need characters. We need you know, people that are going to attract the casual viewers. We need this. We need that. So unfortunately, we need, we need Austin, a holster magic. Yeah. Yeah. The old, the old WCW of, you know, we're just going to push good workers is great. You know, when you think back on it, right. You think of the NWA, you think of WCW and they, it's real wrestling, but you know what Vince proved early on good or bad is that the flash and the characters get the attention of the casual viewer, which when you get casual viewers, you make a lot of money. It's like, so that's what Vince did. And so WCW, they were stuck in that purgatory of just trying to copy Vince and then swearing they weren't going to copy him. And then they were going to copy him and then swearing. And then Bischoff came along and he was like a different Vince where he didn't want to copy Vince per se, but he wanted to copy his production value. But Bischoff was a huge believer of you need stars, you need characters. That's why he hired Hulk. That's why he hired Macho Man. That's why he did all that stuff. So it, it unfortunately, Austin being a good worker wasn't enough. And, you know, the quick fix for Austin was, yeah, let's put a let's put a mid title on him like the u.s belt put a manager with them you know and it just never worked and and austin was never given the the chance to develop his promo skills and really develop a character he was stunning steve austin sure but like what is that what is that what what who was he i don't think he knew you know he knew Mm -hmm. he was a good worker but i don't think austin really knew like what he was what is stunning steve austin i don't know he and he tried it you kind of saw when he was part of the stud stable he cut his hair short he cut his hair short a little bit before that but he started growing beard stubble you know he was trying to be a little bit more of a austin i think always knew i got to be a little bit gruffy i want to be a little bit more of a kind of like a dark horse like a badass he always knew it and and really he kind of started that in wcw with the stud stable he tried to grow a little bit of a beard and he tried to you know be a little different and i think he really wanted to be a little bit edgy but you didn't really know what edgy was in like 94 you know it just wasn't it, we'll get to the firing i'll let you get to the firing dave but yeah just we're go gonna ahead. get there go well this is where it gets a little weird because at this point austin's in pretty good company right until he has a few bouts with i mean hacksaw jim duggan i mean look we, we all we all love little hacksaw right of course <laughs> not gonna lie well but, yeah but what, so what, but what was, exactly changed here i know austin yeah. was dealing with a knee no, issue austin, and ultimately he took time off but was there more to that or was it just WCW? No, it, WCW? What was, um, he lost to Steamboat at the Clash of the Champions, but then Steamboat mm. suffered a, a career ending neck injury. It was just something that sort of snuck up on him. I think he hurt. He did this spot against Austin at a house show, and it was a spot where I'm going to get it wrong. Something had to do with the top rope and then Steamboat took a bump and landed flat on his ass. That was part Oof. of the, that was part of the deal. But Steamboat wasn't ready for the bump or something one night or just fell differently and landed straight on his ass. And it just shivered like shot right up his tailbone. And it really just fucked his back up and his neck up really bad. And Steamboat was getting older at that time and had I mean, nagging injuries like everybody else did. So that just put Steamboat over the edge. So unfortunately, Steamboat retired outside the ring. He wasn't able to lose the belt. So at Fall Brawl 94, um, the whole, you know, in front of the cameras, it's part of the storyline. Steamboat came out and said, I, I'm done. I can't wrestle anymore, which was true. He legitly retired like that. And um, 
And he's like, I uh, pretty much like he was supposed to face Austin that night. Austin was going to rematch him for the title. And so he was like, basically, I forfeit the belt. And so uh, um, um, Nick Bockwinkle was the commissioner at the time. And he said, well, you have to forfeit it to you since you can't wrestle Austin. And he was your mandatory challenger tonight. You have to forfeit the belt to Austin. So technically, Austin won the U.S. title back, but Seymour handed it to him. And then Nick Patrick said, well, hey, on one second. You're not going to get off that easy. You have to defend the title tonight. And it's against this man and Hacksaw. The only hint that you had that Hacksaw was going to join WCW was at Bash of the Beach when Hogan beat Flair. They did a whole thing like where the camera followed Hulk to the back and he was shaking people's hands and people were clapping for him in the locker room and he won the title. And Hacksaw comes out of nowhere and shakes Hulk's hands and Hulk's all, oh, Hacksaw, brother. So you kind of knew that Hacksaw was in WCW or coming at the time. But then that was it. You never heard anything out of Hacksaw after that. And then out of nowhere, he comes out. He beats Austin in like 30 seconds or a minute or some shit like that and hacksaw wins the u.s belt so it was a combination of again bischoff was like i want to hire someone that people know so you can say what you want about hacksaw and who this bullshit that he beat steve austin but think about it like steve austin wasn't he was floundering in the sense that no he didn't know what he was he didn't know what his voice was so bischoff hired hogan savage hacksaw so uh, you know he brings hacksaw out there he wins the u.s title everyone hoed for hacksaw and that's what that's what bischoff wanted he wanted reactions from the crowds when he sold his product he could be like look at this we have hacksaw look at the crowd everyone knows him oh everyone knows macho man slim jim everyone knows hulk hogan that's what bischoff was going for so unfortunately it it didn't it wasn't the land of the workers anymore wcw it became the land of wwfb is what bischoff kind of created but he was trying to surpass vince and trying to do it and eventually did but unfortunately Austin was just part of that uh, old worker mentality. You know, he's a great worker, but we don't need great workers. We need stars. And yeah. instead of Bischoff trying to create at the time, Bischoff took a company over in his defense that was dying and floundering. So they didn't have time to build stars. The time they should have built stars was in fucking dumb shit. You know, Jim Hurd was, you know, executive vice president. That's when they should have been building stars. After they fired Flair and fucked up, they should have really tried. They should have kept Paul E there and kept the Dangerous Alliance there and kept listening to Paul E and all that stuff and just developed stars. But they didn't. So unfortunately, by the time Bischoff got it, it was such a dying company that they were just like, you got to fucking move the needle right now. So then Bischoff was doing desperate things like, you know, trying signing Hogan. And I'm not saying desperate because obviously that was a great move, but just fucking can we hire Hulk? Do you have the money for him? Do we can we? I'm thinking outside the box here. We got to hire some guys. We got to hire some stars. Right. So that's the desperation mode. So. I know you're going to get to the firing, but I'll kind of speed up to the firing. You know, he fired him by FedEx and all that stuff because Austin was injured. And I'll let you still take it, Dave. But but you got to think that Bischoff was in desperation mode. He took this company for the umpteenth time. They they reassigned someone new as executive vice president. So he's like, I got to fucking do something different than what any other dumb shit's done before me. You know, they tried booking the way they booked in the 80s. It failed. They tried copying Vince and making the monies and that failed. So like, I have to do something. I need to buy what Vince already made and transplant it and get sponsors that way. So Bischoff thought I need to do things administratively. I need to think about sponsors and about this and about that. So it didn't become about the work rate anymore. It became about who is known and who can spike a crowd, you know, get them to cheer. And, oh, I know that guy. It's Hacksaw. Oh, I know that guy. That's it's honky. I know that guy. It's this, you know, and he did try to build his own stars like he liked Johnny B. Bad. And eventually he built DDP and all that stuff. But that, that came later. But I mean, like it, 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 it's not Bischoff's fault. Austin was in the middle and he was injured a lot, as Dave will cover. 
And and that's why he got fired. And was it right they did it over FedEx? Probably not. But people keep harping on that and saying, oh, what an idiot. You know, you fired the biggest star. He was the second coming. Nobody knew. Nobody, Nobody could look that, at Austin. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knew that. It's so easy to look back. And these are the same fans that look back and think they know what they're talking about and think they know everything. And they don't like you just it was a different time. And and looking back, I was bummed because I liked Austin. But at the same time, looking back, it was the right move. Austin was just a guy. And and that was it. You cut you cut bait, right? Yeah, that's basically what I mean. That that is what happened. I mean, Austin tore his tricep muscle. That takes a long time to recover. I mean, we've seen Dean Ambrose, uh, Sean Moxley, try to recover from that. It took uh, a little even longer for him, but it's it's a pretty dangerous injury. You know, you can see what happens to people's arms when when muscle fibers tear like that and ligaments tear like that. They're not, they're never the same if they don't fix it. I mean, Paul Orders example of that with his biceps. Oh, yeah. So. It's bad. I mean, it really messed him up. So, you know, he tears a tricep. He's going to be out, and it does suck that he got fired in the mail. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that sucks. But he's also a contracted person. He's not somebody who's on salary at WCW that can take disability and get insurance. It's not how it works. There's a reason why that's not how it works. I mean, because I, I dare you to go against the grain on this one. No. Uh, well, I, I think it's a shitty way to fire someone, but I don't think it's from the perspective of everyone saying, oh, you fired the biggest star. Like like you said, no one knew that he was going to yeah. do that. But that's yeah. still a, a pussy fucking cowardly way to fire somebody. I mean, I, I can say it's cowardly. That could be true. I could it also is. see. And yeah, I but also, not really. I, see, I mean, like, I could see Bischoff like, being incredibly busy with his shit and saying, yeah, hey, I don't, I don't think we got to I mean, at least give him a phone call. Hey, bud. Sorry. Sure. Let you sure. Go. That's a valid point. Valid point. But Maybe no, but I don't. I don't, I don't agree with uh, everyone saying that you fired the biggest star, you idiot. You, you no, because yeah, no one knew. No one knew. No one knows when anyone's going to be the biggest star. Yeah, until it starts happening. Until it happens. Yeah. So you know, but you know, at, at the same time, Austin getting fired via FedEx is uh, probably one, he'll probably tell you now it's one of the best things that ever happened to Obviously. him. And this is why. Yeah. Uh, Jess made a comment about the Dangerous Alliance with Paul E. Dangerously, who is now Paul Heyman. We all know that. If you don't know that, you do now. Um, and why that relationship is so important, because what happens, even though Austin still can't wrestle, like months after he's been fired from WCW, uh, Paul Heyman or Paul E. Dangerously, whatever you want to call him at the time, at this point, it's Paul Heyman in 1995. He actually takes a chance on Steve Austin, who really, Jess and I talked about it. I said, how many matches did Austin actually wrestle? wrestle in ECW and just like I think it's probably two it's not that many it's just a few here and there but the biggest thing that happened here was Paul Heyman would just get a camera and Steve and they would go to work for hours and so because because at this point the only thing Austin can do is vignettes that he can do vignettes and he can make fun of stuff and he can have fun and he can find his voice and I know I'm I know I'm really cutting this really short you guys can kind of add on to it if you want to but this was crucial to forming the stone cold persona so to the point you guys just made no one knew you were firing the next coming because the next coming didn't even get the roots until in my opinion this point at wcw austin didn't know who he was that was just his comment and i think he started to find out who he was when he couldn't wrestle so what do you have what am i really about and that's where these ecw promotions come in and he he blows the roof off without having to set foot inside the square circle. What do you guys think? I I think that, and you know, again, you can say what you want about Paul Heyman, and you can like ECW or you cannot. But he 
did the smartest thing that you could do with an indie promotion at that time. And, and, and it's, it's make fun of the other guys and ECW. I mean, you dig down, he had cruiserweights in there. He had the Malinkos, he had Jericho, he had Mysterio, he had Benoit. And that was awesome because Paul Heyman knew good wrestling, but he also knew how to do compelling storylines as well. And, but he also broke that wall where he's like, fuck it. Shane Douglas is going to fucking rag on flair. Um, we're going to make fun of every product. This fucking product is shit. This product is shit. This is crap. So when Austin became free, he's like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, Austin's like, I need a job. And Paul's like, well, I mean, I can't pay you as much as WCW was, but I can, you know, and Austin's like, I can't wrestle. I'm still rehabbing and all that stuff. And, you know, and Paul's like, that's okay. I have a microphone. And you're upset, right? And Austin's like, yeah. He's like, well, fucking come on and say what you want to say. And that's where that one episode of ECW television happens where they mm-hmm. kind of end it. And then they go over to Steve Austin in the back and he's wearing a yellow shirt and he looks like Hulk Hogan. And it says Steve Omania. And he's cutting a promo as Hulk basically like, you know, ripping on, you know, tongue in cheek, ripping on the company and all that stuff and saying Steve Austin couldn't make it in the WCW and all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're wrong, me, Joy, because Steve Austin doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the ECW, brother. I was never allowed to reach past mid-card status in a WCW, brother. So you know what, dude? And just did the whole thing, and then they did the whole Eric Bischoff skit, didn't they, too, cuz? Like, where he was Eric Bischoff, and he had the fucking yeah, black wig on. Yeah, and, and he had uh, the bongos next to him, and that was representing mm-hmm. Steve Mongo McMichael, and he called it uh, yeah. Monday Night Quill, where the big boys play with each other. where the big boys play with each other. I apologize for the balloons, but I had to fire the pyrotechnician guy because he couldn't show up. I did it over the phone, no less, but I had to fire him. Okay, right here where the big boys play with each other. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. So, but I mean, that, that was all like figuring it out, you know, and that's what, and, and to keep this really short as far as my rant here, yeah. you know, that's what today's wrestlers are missing. You know, you oh, had, of course, without a doubt, you, you left WCW and went to a different company that had nothing to do with WCW. You didn't go from NXT to the main roster, you know, which is still WWE. When you think about it, you yeah. went from one company to another and they had nothing to do with each other. So you had this gripe with this company, WCW, which was number two at the time. And trying to be number one. And they had Hogan and Savage and all the big guys. And uh, and they were trying to. But it was like, you know, the old dinosaur show. And then he would make fun of the WWE as being cartoon. So he got to finally say, uh, you know, Paul Heyman was the first one that said, just rip back that wall. You know, don't don't expose wrestling itself for being fake, but rip on the companies. And that was genius because mm-hmm. he could actually say they suck. Like they didn't know how to use me. They didn't know how to do this. He didn't say they didn't know how to push me, which is what someone would say now. Cause you know, it's cool to say industry terms, but like Austin would just be like, they didn't know how to use me. They didn't know how to, they didn't know my star power. I'm the fucking best. I'm the man, you know? And, but he got to, he had to be angry. And by being angry, that was the early stages of stone cold. You just, he just didn't know it yet, but he was mad and he was really pissed yeah. off that he got fired by FedEx. And he was really pissed off that he knew he was a great worker. And these fucking dinosaurs come into this company. And that was Bischoff's, you know, thing, you know, turned out to be the best thing for him for temporary. But at the same time, like Austin was just mad, you know, I'm in this industry. I'm a pro wrestler at heart. That's what I do for a living. 
and like you fucking fire me and I'm fucking super talented. You know, I'm talented. I'm young. I have all kinds of ideas and you just fucking want to hire the hacksaws and Hogan's and savages of the world. Fuck you. I'm going to tell you, fuck you. And that's yeah. what the, that's what ECW was for him. And he was able to do it. And he wrestled Mikey Wimpreck and he had some cool storylines or whatever. Yeah, Sandman, he wasn't there for long, but that time, I'm convinced that short time, and they do say it in every documentary, he really got loose and he got angry. And But Austin is so talented that he knew I got to turn my anger into a character. I got to turn it into to wrestling. I got to bring it in there. It's one thing to be angry and to say reckless stuff that never gets you anywhere. But what does get you somewhere is being angry, but then Austin being so good to know I, I can hone this. I can use this. And Heyman going, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I mean, that's 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 next level shit. And that's how good Austin is for mm-hmm. anybody who, you know, doesn't put Austin in their top 10 promos or whatever. You're dumb because mm-hmm. he is and he knows what he's doing and he knows how to make a character and he knows where he's at at all times. Steve Austin understands where he's at at all times. He always has. And he knows that I cut a promo on that. And he was learning at the time. So Paul Heyman just pretty much gave, gave him what he needed to give, which was no direction. He gave him a gift. I have no direction for you, but you're mad, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, fucking say it. Say you're mad. You just want me to say what I want to say? Yeah. Just fucking say it. Okay. Like, and that's, that's it. Like, and he went out there and he was mad and he did these skits and it got the shit off his chest. And then once he got that off his chest, now I can concentrate on who am I? What am I going to do? What's, what's my direction? Well, well he learned it. a lot. Oh, God. It just brings it to a really interesting, you know, tie into into the next realm. You know, we're we're in the same year, 1995. WWE finally calls, and yes. the million dollar corporation and the ringmaster. It's hard to believe yes. that that's where we are. Austin wasn't always Stone Cold, but you have to start somewhere, and that's where the ringmaster comes in. My question, and because I think I'll let you field it, is and there's a few of them here. Why didn't we see the great promos of Austin right away? Why did they feel he needed a mouthpiece at this point? I understand in WCW, he may have needed help, but was that necessary here? What's your take on that? Give us the, you know, the ring about, give us the rigmarole with, uh, with the million dollar man and tell us what you think about it, man. Give us your opinion. What? Well, wasn't it? I don't. I might be not. I might not be remembering this correctly. But wasn't it because uh, Vince only saw him as a mechanic? As far as uh, he didn't. That's the story. See yeah. the okay. was, uh, Jim Jim Ross pitched him as a mechanic. Yeah. Okay. There, and Jim Ross was. is like, you want you need to hire someone for Sean because Sean was champion. They put the title on Sean at WrestleMania, so they knew in '95 that they were building to Sean to beat Brett in '96 at WrestleMania for the title. So they had to bring Austin in because he's like, you're going to need mechanics to work with Brett and Sean. And so yeah, Jim Ross was go. like, I, I know this guy that I know really well and I have a history with Steve Austin. He needs a job, and he's fucking really good. And it was also that's Nash how, too, how, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? Nash also pitched him. Uh, uh, yes, Vince. he did. Yeah. Okay. Nash liked yeah. him and said, yeah, you got, you guys got to hire him. And isn't it funny because uh, how little time he spent in ECW, how, how not only did it, you know, like we we're mentioning it influenced his character. Uh, it's where he learned to cut great promos, but it also formed his great mind that we saw later when it came to the title picture in WDF. What, what did we always say? That it was most profitable. It was most, uh, you know, as far as uh, interest in the television when he was chasing the title and ECW, he did not want the title on him because he said that he's better as the guy that's chasing the title, not the guy with the title that's being, you know, chased after. So it's just funny. Everything that he learned in ECW and Vince didn't see it until later on, obviously. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, like you said, Jim Ross and everyone pitched him as a mechanic and he had the mouthpiece and, 
you know, you, you once they let him loose, that's when you got to see everything unfold. And and when people say, oh, we want the Attitude Era back, let's bring it back. I don't agree with that in the sense of bringing back the smut, t- the blanket statement of bringing the Attitude Era back. Bring back the smut TV, bring back the the uh the jerry springer the mary young uh may young having a a hand as a baby and mud wrestling with divas and this and that what i want to see as far as that goes and this is the uh example right here is bring back the time when you let them push the envelope but you also let the wrestlers use their creativity do their own thing and stone cold is proof he he honed that in ecw and once they let that loose in wwe after dropping the mouthpiece you saw what happened and and I think uh, yeah that that's how I feel about all that as far as uh you know like you said the he was pitched as so that. you're saying they, they they so you're saying they they listened to him and realized that they were wrong and let him took a chance. Well, as far or sorry as having a mouthpiece when he first came there, you know they viewed him as the technician. Uh, that's all he was, the mechanic in the ring, which obviously he was. He was a great fucking you know technician in the ring. And uh, then once you let him loose, you realize all that full potential that he was kind of showing you in ECW. You they realized it, and obviously it worked. Sure. Obviously it worked after that. All right. Well, I I guess maybe it was necessary because it was necessary for Stone Cold to, you know, to actually raise his voice a little bit and be heard and say, this is not going to work. This is what I need to do. So, okay, I take that. Um, Let's move forward a little bit. 1996 Stone Cold uh, actually is coming to fruition. That's where the name comes into play. And um, you know where we're going because. Oh, yes. Austin gets a little lucky here, but as I see luck, it's when hard work meets opportunity. And in this case, the opportunity was Triple H being replaced as the winner of the King of the Ring in 1996. Um, You know, we're probably going to discuss the curtain call someday and discuss why, you know, Triple H was punished in this. But without this change, we would not have that famous incident. Okay, cuz I'm going to let you just take the wheel on it, bro. Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened the next night after actually tell us what happened after the King of the Wing victory that night and what happened the next night as well. The immediate aftermath, if you will. Well, you do you guys want to go on and as why Triple H was taken out first as far as uh, or as far as why Austin replaced Triple H? Well, I think it even goes back before that. I think it's Austin got pit like I don't think he was going to get released, but I think Vince was just like, I got nothing for him. And Vince was getting, you know, not trounced at this point because NWO hadn't hit, but actually WCW was finding its stride. Yeah. And they were starting to bring in cruiserweights in 96 and they were starting to kind of do different things. And so Austin was getting frustrated. And after WrestleMania 12, Austin was just like, I, I want to say WrestleMania 12 was the first big pay-per-view that he came out with a Stone Cold name. Um, it wasn't working out with DiBiase. And so Austin, you know, went to Vince and said, with all due respect, I respect Ted, but um, I, he's not for me and I'm not for him. So Vince is like, well, what do you want to do? Like, I like your re- your in-ring work. You know, all the boys praise you. Uh, you're good in the locker room. You're professional and all that stuff. So what do you want to do? I don't know, but I want to do something more edgier. And he's like, fine, think of some names. So that's a famous story where Austin was getting faxes from the office, oh, like yeah. Frosty, like Frosty McFreeze and stuff like that. Because Austin's yeah. like, I kind of want to be, yeah, I want to be like this ice cold killer kind of character and like all that stuff. Man. No feelings. Yeah, like I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll stab anyone in the back. Like, you know, the I'll do whatever. Iceman. Yeah, so you want to be the Iceman Steve Austin. You want to be Ice Dagger. You want to be Frosty McFreeze. So he's getting these fucking faxes from creative and, and again no shitting on creative they're just trying to throw stuff what about this what about that you know anything dumb or smart they're throwing so he's like no 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 
And so he was stressing one day and he was with his wife who was British. Yes. And they were sitting and they were having lunch together. Making a and tea. And she was making them tea. And so she's British. So, of course, you need tea. And so, um, and but it's a huge stereotype, but that's what happened. And um, and so she was sitting down and she got him tea. She's like, do you want some tea? And he's like, yeah, go ahead and make me some tea. And she brings him the tea and he's still stressing. I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, you know what? You Let's take a break. You better drink your tea before it becomes stone cold. And he looked at her and he's like, that's fucking it. And she's like, what? And he's like, stone cold Steve Austin. And that's where it was born right there. Yes. Like he called the office. He's like, my fucking like stone cold Steve Austin. That's what I want to be. I want to be like a killer with no feelings. I want to be in no remorse. I'll strike you for a good guy, for a bad guy or whatever. So that's where it started. That's that's how it started. And obviously that's where the name starts, but we got to talk about the incident. Then the curtain call happened. Yeah. The curtain call. And then the famous thing happened. Yes. All right. Take it away. Cause then what happens? He fights in the uh, King of ring tournaments. Uh, he gets busted open, right? Who did he fight? Was it Savio Vega? Mero. It was Mero. Mero. Okay, there you go. Yeah, and then he gets his. Uh, he gets. He has to go to the hospital to get stitches. Mero accidentally does like a. Uh, has like a uh, not a back body drop, but he did like this when you backdrop someone and they pull you over for a cradle. His Mero accidentally hit Steve Austin's lip with his boot. It was an accident, and it split yes. his top lip open. There you go. And uh, so he needed stitches. It was like pretty bad. And so he beat Mero. And in the same night, they had the semifinals and the finals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he beats Mero. He has to leave the building to get stitches to make it back to face Jake in the finals. Yeah. So he did that within like an hour span. And uh, that just shows you how tough Steve Austin is. He's like, fuck you. Like, this is my fucking night. I asked for a push. I got a new name and all this stuff. I'm, I'm not fucking back. missing this for a split lip. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking miss this for a split lip. And not even knowing how big this was going to be like not knowing it. He was just like, I'm booked to win a tournament. Like, that's what I mean. That was a big deal, right? You know, I'm booked to be king of the ring because going back a little bit, Triple H was actually supposed to win the 1996 king of the ring. But because he participated in the curtain call, which we'll get to in a different episode, Vince punished him. And he's like, well, you're not winning that shit anymore. You're losing every week to a hog farmer. So basically, Vince is like, well, let's let's fucking let, let Steve Austin win it. So basically, that's how Steve Austin got. He lucked into it. And so, like Cuz said, he got his lips split open in the semifinals and earlier in the pay-per-view. He went to the hospital during the live pay-per-view, came back yes. in an hour, and then faced Jake in the finals and pinned Jake clean with this new move called the Stone Cold Stunner. But do you remember? And I don't remember who it was when he got back. Who was it that ran up to him and said, hey, uh, uh, you know, Jake cut this promo. Uh, you know, so here, here's what you have to work with. Yeah, I don't Austin. remember. You're right. You're right. What, yeah, I don't remember. Was it Pritchard? Yeah. And when he got back from the emergency room, someone ran up to him and Austin was basically like filming on what happened. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he's like, well, Jake cut this promo because at the time Jake was returning and Jake was, you know, he was, he was, he was on the wagon at this point. He was trying to beat his demons and he wasn't drinking anymore. And uh, and he was uh, kind of, you know, he found God, quote unquote, in real life. Yes. And he kind of brought that to the screen. His snake was called Revelations. So that's what, you know, he was trying to push that. So Jake quoted this Bible quote of uh, John 316 in his interview. So when Austin got back to the arena, Austin's like, feel me on what happened. And he he was like, Jake cut this promo on you. He said, John 316, blah, blah, blah. So Austin said, okay. In his mind, Austin's like, all right, I got it. I I know what to do. So he went to Jake and he asked Jake, hey, here's the deal. Um, my character is kind of edgy, so I'm going to cut this promo on you. I'm going to kind of make fun of you. I'm going to make fun of your age. I'm going to kind of make fun of your Bible references. Is that okay? And Jake Roberts said, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Like, so Jake gave him the okay. So Austin's like, all right. No one knew what he was going to do. 
Vince is like, just fucking wing it. Fuck, fuck off. I'm busy. And like did all that stuff. So Austin's like, all right. So uh, I don't know if you, I think you should take this cuz because you love Austin's ball sack. So I think you should take oh, this. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> so he wins, he wins, he, he, he hits the Stone Cold Stunner, which Michael Hayes created, by the way. And uh, they wanted something quick that Austin can just hit you with strike like a snake and hit you really fast and pin you. And so funny how he became the rattlesnake and all that stuff. It's so funny how all this like starts. And, uh, and so Austin, uh, Hayes was just like, why don't you do this? Why don't you kick a guy in the gut to set him up and then turn around, put his head, you know, turn around, put your back to his belly and pull his head over your shoulder and you fall on your ass. They'll fall on their knees and you're going to strike their jaw. Now, like it's basically now, on, really quick on there on because if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember if this was in the biography or not, but wasn't it actually uh, modified from Mikey Whipwreck's original move? The whippersnapper? Admit, possibly. Yes. I, 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 I think I you're right. I have sworn that he said that he yeah. got it from that. Um, and then, but maybe, uh, you know, uh, Michael Hayes came up with the whole, you know, kicking him in the stomach. Yeah, Hayes. That. Yeah, Hayes came with the the way they bumped on it. Yes. Like, here's how your opponent should bump, and here's how you should do it. Yes. You're gonna fall on your ass. You're gonna crush. That's that's how it kind of happened. Yeah. So before before the pay per view, they he was actually I think he had done the stunner a couple times to people, um, but he was trying to get it over. Yeah. Um, and figure it out, and so he beats Jake with it clean in the center of the ring. He comes back from you know in, in real life he fucking gets staples or you know stitches, not staples. Yeah. Stitches put in his lip, and he. Fucking fucking comes back and beats Jake stunners him beats him clean which when I saw that I saw this live on pay-per-view in my house and I cheered fucking loud because I loved Austin I was like so glad that finally like fuck they're pushing him like I was really happy because I was a big Austin fan of his work and so when he hit it and he pinned Jake I was like fuck not only did he pin a face clean but he pinned Jake I thought Jake was gonna win the tournament it would it seemed like Jake was gonna win the king of the ring and uh, so when they when Austin beat him, I was like fucking so excited. And then he walks up after he wins a title to the throne where the crown was. And Michael Hayes is waiting to interview him. And because history happens. Yes. And I and, and I should par- paraphrase it because, you know, we're obviously for the audience. We're going to, you know, play the uh, the clip for them. And I'm sure everyone that watched it growing up, they they have this ingrained into their head. I just, you know, just as a kid too, you know, when you're a kid, you're, you're taught, this is a good guy. This is a bad guy. Not, not in wrestling, but you know, just in general in life, uh, the bad guys, you know, they say the bad words and they do this, this and that. And good guys, you know, they don't say bad words. They don't cuss. And, and they're very, you know, moral and noble and, and this and that. There was just something about that promo. Everything from you hear the ringmaster music as he's walking up the, the, uh, the step to the ceremony. Uh, to where the yeah, he didn't is have the glass breaking no. music yet. He saw so the ringmaster, the ring master, and then you know Doc Hendricks as he's walking up, you know the fourth prestigious King of the Ring, uh, an incredible victory, and you know just got to paraphrase, but you know the the I'll paraphrase the last part of it. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. You talk about your Psalms, you talk about your Job three sixteen. Host at 316 said, I just whip your ass. And then I think he even said after that, he kind of was like, oh, shit. shit. I don't know if I should have said that. Because <laughs> he said, oh, catch a lot of heat for that one. And then, you know, even Doc Hendricks, oh, come on, that's unnecessary. And it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 316. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. 
Okay, yeah, it was, and when I watched it live, I was like, "We." He said, "Ass on TV." First yes, of all, oh my god, yes. It, th- this is how desensitized like all of us became during the mm-hmm. Attitude Era to ass and st- and crazy stuff. Back then, in 1996, when he said ass, yes, we were like, "Oh my yeah, god, yeah, exactly." He said, it was really that big. That, it was a big deal. And that's what I was trying no to get said at. That. As I know far it as sounds kid. funny to young people listening right now, but that shit was not on TV at that point, especially WWF. And so, like, he said that, and the crowd popped huge when he said that so he's making fun of a face and as jake is being carried out by the way he's cutting this promo oh my so god jake's being carried out by the referees you know they put you know they they stand on either side of jake and jake puts their arm around him and they they take him out you oh know? shit yeah and jake's walking right in front of him and he's oh, like he's up your bible like right to jake's face almost and i was like oh my god well, like the, to me the and word- joe and i were like dude fuck we were happy because we loved austin but we we're yes. like dude, he's, fuck this fucking nuts right now like he's running this guy down talking about god on tv yes saying ass and this clever phrase austin 316 said i whipped your ass and then at the end it's funny in stone cold's book and his biography i had to make sure i got in because stone cold said so yes and he had to make sure he said that because he was like i i was convinced that was the phrase i was going to push that was the phrase that austin was like because stone cold said so that's my big thing that's what i'm going to get famous for and it's so funny because he did he did use that and people do know him for that but the Austin 316 hit such a fucking spark. Like it just instantly it, we talk about organic. I don't know of any other organic moment than this. Yes. To, to, to use the word organic with to describe because it was legitly organic. Any way you can think about it backstage and in front of the camera. It was like Austin fucking say what you want to say. <laughs> and Austin did the right stuff because Austin's a pro and he respects wrestlers and pro wrestling. And he talked to Jake and he talked to PSAs and he got permission to do stuff from them. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? He was that kind of a pro. And he didn't know that Austin 316 was going to hit the cord that it hit. But at the same time, he just really wanted to make sure that Jake, are you OK with this? You know, so people now they just see shooting pipe bombs on TV and they're like, yeah, they're fucking talking shit. Fuck you, Vince. Fuck you, Shane. But no, you know what? Austin was fucking smart because he's that good good and he went and talked to people and he's like how should i do this and jake can i talk to you about this i'm gonna talk about your god thing i'm gonna talk about your alcoholism i'm gonna talk about all this shit and jake's like yes like do it yeah yeah like jake was so smart he was like yes absolutely i want you to get over you're young i i want you like there was something about that image um when you saw jake uh being held back and his head kind of down and you know being carried to the back and when he says uh, all he's gotta do is buy himself a cheap bottle of thunderbird to try to dig back some of that courage he had in his pride like there's yeah. just something that just about that too, but that's like how you said about him saying ass on TV, where that was like a big deal. That's what I meant as far as, or that's what I was getting to, as far as when you're a kid, you know, you're like the good guys don't cuss, you know, and, and bad people they do. And it's like when you heard that, it's even though I've been, you know, taught that as a kid, there's something about him saying that, even even though me being a young kid, like barely barely a, a ten years old already, it, j- just something about that made me gravitate towards Austin, and it just. Obviously, we're going to go over the, you know, several other events that fucking just keep pushing them up there. Uh, Little by little, that's where I started. You know, I was taught not to like people like this, and it didn't matter because there was something so organic and just something about him that caught you. Even as a kid who didn't understand heel face, you know, uh, work, shoot, all that stuff. There was just something about him in that promo that like kind of lit that fire like, oh, this, this guy's awesome. You know, th- I'm, I'm gravitating towards this guy. And this is what I mean when I say as far as the Attitude Era, bring that stuff back where you let guys do this stuff, where you let them 
improvise on their own, basically. I mean, obviously he thought about it in the back, but let them do their thing like this. This is proof right here. And Dave said, Dave said earlier that luck meant opportunity and it met it over and over and over again in this, in this promo, because not only was that, it wasn't the, it was, was not just the event where triple H got punished and got pulled out. You know, mm-hmm. Vince saying, well, you were booked to win King of the Ring 96, but not anymore. Motherfucker. And it wasn't just that. <laughs> that was a huge deal. Obviously you had to put yes. Austin in this position, but luck meant opportunity with that. It meant opportunity with Austin getting his lip split and meant yes. opportunity with them coming up with the stone cold stunner. It meant opportunity with Vince or him going and not Vince, sorry, Austin in the back talking to Jake and saying, Hey, can I use your promo against you? And blah, blah, blah. And met opportunity with Austin putting in his head. I'm going to brand myself with, because Stone Cold said so. Then it met opportunity. Opportunity met luck again when he said the Austin 316 line, which he didn't even know that that would end up branding him in the long run. Like he well, didn't know. Luck met opportunity like 7.5 billion times. Well, in isn't like it this funny? Like, you know span. how they say uh, two negatives are positive? Uh, you think back. Uh, he's injured, gets fired from WCW, two negatives. What happens? He gets to go to ECW, ECW, the two negatives. I can't wrestle right now and uh, I'm not going to get paid as much. I get to cut my promos, two negatives, uh, King of the Ring. I uh, Triple H gets you know, taken out because he's punished and the other negative, I get my lip busted open. I got to go to the hospital and come back. So it's like every time it's two negatives that turn into a positive for Austin. I don't think it's, it's I cannot stress enough how how it's amazing that he is who he is. We know all who he is now. We know what he became. And and that all this shit had to happen. Yeah. I mean, my goodness gracious. Like he had to go through the it, ringer. one couldn't have done without the other. Like it couldn't have. Don't get me wrong. The inventing of the Stone Cold Stunner, positive. That would have been that that probably would have caught. That probably would have gotten over, right? But then him saying Stone Cold said so, that probably would have gotten over, right? But Austin 316 had to happen. That was the fucking like yeah. ripple in the pond that everyone was like, what did he say? Like, how catchy is that shit? So much to where I know we're trying to get to this point. The next the night, night yeah. fans are bringing the signs in that say Austin, Austin 316. Yeah. And they're like, they're looking around. And Bruce Pritchard even said, he looked at Vince. He's like, we fucking got a star on our hands. And Vince is like, yeah, like, let's, let's figure it out. Now, Dave, I'm gonna let you take over because I have a dose of reality that I need to splash on a lot of Steve Austin fans here. So go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, there's, I, yeah, I know there's, there are some things in between before we get there because, uh, you know, after King of the Ring 96, you know, we have some, in my opinion, there's two more really important factors that come into play on Austin's rise and also the WWF starting to take over in the realm of 83 weeks. Um, I want to talk about the Pillman feud and the heart feud. So let's start with Pillman real quick. Well, uh, no, before you get to that, uh-huh. let, let me dispel my rumor. So, and that's not oh, a rumor. Okay. Let me dispel the, the common consensus. So you've heard of the, the phrase revisionist history. Sure. Usually that is with someone who kind of wins a war or, you know, we find out a lot of now about American history that wasn't, you know, Christopher Columbus wasn't this, or he was a little never, he's kind of a dick and all that stuff. But we you know we were taught in schools that he's this man who discovered America and he's this and that. And, you know, revisionist history is that where we fondly think back on someone and I'm not saying they were evil in the long run, but we, we cut out a huge chunk. We go from step one to step four and we forget the steps in the middle. He went, he, cuts that promo and organically gets over and they strike fire with him 
And that was July of 96. That was yeah. that was King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. June. In August. Oh, sorry. June. I'm sorry. In August of 96. That's SummerSlam, right? Yes. Guess where Austin was on the card? Less than mid. Nope. Kickoff. Austin was on the kickoff show. He was on the preview match. Yep. The free view, as they called it. Yeah. The against Yokozuna. So when people are like, oh. He said Austin 316 on that promo, and then here we go. Caught fire, baby. Negative. Did not he happen that way. F- no, yeah, the agree. next major pay-per-view after he said Austin 316 said I whipped your ass and won the King of the Ring and did all that stuff or whatever, he was on the free-for-all against Yokozuna. And he beat Yokozuna, but he would, they did not know what to do with him. They had no idea. And it just showed that, no, like, it didn't. The thing that saved him was Brett was out for most of 96 after he lost to Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Brett took a hiatus and did fucking Lonesome Dove and, and, and did other things and cheated on his wife a bunch of times. And so, so when Brett came back, they're like, who do you want to face? And he was like, I want to face Steve Austin because Brett always loved his work from WCW. And Brett's like, I want to face Steve Austin. You guys don't even understand what you have. And Brett was the first guy to be like, not only did he get over at King of the Ring, but he's a heel and he can fucking work well. Why the fuck would I not want to face him? Are you joking? Even Vince was like, or she don't want to face my, uh, you know, in whatever heel he was putting up at the time. And Brett's like, fuck no, I don't want to face that guy. I want to face Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what I want to do. And and again, this is opportunity meets luck or whatever Dave said before, where Brett didn't even know that the bubblegum baby face was about to be flushed down the toilet and it was about to become dead. Society was changing and the fans wanted something different. They wanted they wanted that cheap Thunderbird and they wanted that fucking in your face like, you know, fuck you guy and all that stuff. And the crowd didn't quite know that's what they wanted yet, but they did. But they didn't. So Austin floundered. Up until Survivor Series, when mm-hmm. Brett's like, I want to come back and face Austin at Survivor Series 96 in my comeback match. He's yeah. the guy I want to do. And then all those fucking amazing promos. You want my opinion of Bret Hart? You put an S in front of Hitman oh and you have my, my exact opinion of Bret Hart. Like, fucking amazing. They let Austin go nuts and he was able to say, shit, I'm a better wrestler than you. I'm better than you. You're a, you're a loser. You're like this bubblegum goody two-shoes. You suck. Like, I mean, he was fucking all over Bret saying this fucking crazy shit. Not this classic yeah. heel. Like, let me tell you something, Brett. In the sportatorium on Thursday, you're going to go down, brother. I'm going to get you. Like, it wasn't that. It was like, you fucking suck. Uh, you're the shit man. That's what I'm going to call you. your new name is shit man. And hmm. like all that. And he was just fucking all over him. And Brett didn't even know like what he was getting into. But he loved Austin as a person. And he loved Austin's ring work. And he was like, we're going to fucking go. And that match at Survivor Series 96 is fucking great. And the way Brett beat Austin, he pinned Austin. But again, a lesson that they need to learn now. Yes. He narrowly beat Austin. Austin Rolled beat the up. shit out of him. Austin was talking shit the whole match. Austin was fucking developing his character and figuring out what Stone Cold was and who he was and doing all this stuff. And then Austin stupidly, like, no, I mean, in the script, stupidly went for the million dollar dream, yes. which was, a uh, you know, but he didn't go with the stunner, which is what won the king of the ring for him. He hit the million dollar dream. Brett kicked off the turnbuckle, rolled over on him and pinned him. And Austin was pissed. Austin stunned the ref afterwards and did all this stuff that got you still going like, I know Austin lost, but he fucking doesn't give a shit. He fucking stunned the fucking ref. What the fuck? Like, you know, he doesn't care. Next on Raw, even though he lost by pin, fuck you. You're still a piece of shit, Brett. You dumb motherfucker. 
I now he didn't say those words, but you know what no. I mean? It was basically that kind of raw promo where he was just fucking ripping Brett and your family sucks and you suck and, and it kept you wanting you to see more even though he lost. Yeah, you like, you fucking <laughs> pussy, like you couldn't fight me, you couldn't beat me fist to fist, you had to fucking rule me up and you pin my shoulders. Fuck you. Like if I fight you next time, you're done. Like, and it was just this amazing, like organic like thing. And Brett give him all the credit in the world. He's the one as far as the in-ring talent was concerned yeah. that said, no, like I want Austin. I want that guy. He's got something little did Brett. know. unfortunately the crowd would turn on him, but again, it ended up benefiting Austin. But I mean, like what an amazing, the survivor series match is when he wins in June and really didn't realize his voice. And Vince didn't really realize what he had until November when Brett came back and said that guy, I'm facing that guy, no one else, that guy. And that's super important. Brett was a major importance yeah. in Austin becoming a star. Well, oh, you know what? Huge. You can't huge. overlook. Um, you can briefly mention, but the the vignettes uh, leading up to the match, the the black and white and like look like yes. he was in an alleyway with chain link fence and stuff. Like you know the stu- the, the the little funny uh, quotes like "You lost to the boy toy. I ain't no sexy boy." Like just all that little shit, dude. All all the little vignettes and just just the way he worked the mic, like. All that, all that is important. What a load of crap. So, Brett, you're coming back to continue a legacy? Stone Cold's going to make your comeback a living hell. You can start begging for some mercy right now. Beg for mercy. You're not going to find it. I think you're completely pathetic. The business was changing, and on the other side, the NWO was whipping the shit out of them. Yes. So they had, and they were doing realistic angles. They were doing their real names, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. They were doing black and white videos. Sure. They were doing all this stuff, and we're invading and all this stuff. So Austin knew right then, I have to, we have to be a little edgier. Vince and them didn't really grasp it yet. Like they didn't, they didn't. So revisionist history is Austin says, Austin 316 says, I whipped your ass. And then he wins the world title the next day. That's the way they want you to believe it, but it wasn't. It was a breathing process, which fans want this right now and it's not that way you had you again you want to remember that austin said 316 and then off to the races but it wasn't it was like an eight month breathing process where it was like brett had yeah. to come in and be like i want him i well, want to work it, with him a I mean, you have to, to come in you have to you have to give a little bit of kudos to pillman and stone cold too for making things edgier and oh, starting man. those edgier vignettes well that was yes. later then, that was after but then then to your point right you know, you're that, that was after right yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You, there, there's there's two sides of it. There's that too, but it's just, it's very minimal. It's, it's not very much there because we know Pillman. And can I say, and this is not going to be popular, but can I say that the Pillman and Austin gun angle was dumb as shit? Yeah, and it's stupid. It's stupid. it was dumb, and, and I, I hate the fact that a lot of people remember Pillman for that because there's so many other positives to remember. Oh, he's Pillman so much for. better than that. And, I don't, uh, I don't and mind the, the house showing up the house like that. That's pretty funny. But yeah, the the gun thing that's stupid. The gun was dumb and all that stuff. They were trying. They so were trying. Right? Shoot him. Like they, their back was against the wall, dude. NWO was yeah. fucking beating the fuck out of them. Like they yeah. had. So I don't blame Vince for trying. But uh, let's people fondly remember the Austin and Pillman gun angle, and it was really dumb. It was dumb. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was. So just just to get you on the back on the uh, the time clock here, Austin loses the title shot to Hart at Survivor Series. You know, of said year. Uh, he gets a Royal Rumble win in heel fashion, and he even gets and, a main, uh, to main event. There, sorry, the yeah. Royal Rumble again, another shining moment. The same thing that Diesel did when Diesel was uh, Royal Rumble '94, and he was inter- like throwing everybody out, and the crowd was actually cheering a heel. 
Austin got the same reaction. They were in the Alamo Dome and they had like fucking yeah. like oh, 50,000 yeah. people there. And Austin was the star of that rumble. Not only did he last a long time, but people were starting to cheer him and you saw him and he would sit on the rope when you would eliminate someone to look at his watch, but he wasn't wearing a watch. So people <laughs> were laughing because he was sitting there. He's looking at his watch. He's like, Oh, like and all that. And people were laughing. You yes. heard people laughing at, not at him, like with him, like this guy's fucking cool. Like this guy's fucking badass. And, and the whole thing where Brett really won, but you know Austin got thrown over by Brett, but the ref didn't see it, and Austin really won it. Like, that whole thing just fed Austin's fucking fire. It, yeah. He was a heel. They were treating him like a heel, but he was still like, whatever. Nope, I beat you. Like, no, you didn't. You fucking got thrown over. Really? Because yeah. my hand got raised. Like, it was just great. <laughs> like, and it was all really good. And, like, again, Brett should get tons of credit for this because Brett knew, God, this guy's great. Like, I need this guy. I Everything. need Austin. Like, in the rumble, mm. when he was doing that, when he was sitting on the corner, and then remember when Brett's music yeah. hit, and he put his hands on his head like, oh, shit. And then Brett Hart <laughs> comes out, and they just start fucking battling out. Oh my God, Austin knew great wrestling, right? He, he knew how to push himself, but then when Brett hit, he knew I have to Facial be the heel and yeah. be afraid of Brett. Like, it, again, it puts Brett over coming down. So now you see, oh shit, if Austin no sold that, it wouldn't have been as impactful when yeah. Brett got in the ring. But yeah, because exactly. It's all true. Brett's music hit, he's like, oh fuck, I forgot he yeah, was here. Like, <laughs> like, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Like, well, and, God, then, and then like, just the little interactions, like after, you know, building up to the final, the, the in your house final four uh, match, where, you know, like that's where you already started seeing the, the beef with Vince and how he was saying, Brad, you come out here crying like a baby and saying stuff to Gorilla Monsoon. You call yourself the Gorilla, but you're out here hee-hawing like a jackass. All those little pieces, you know, building up to obviously WrestleMania 13, which I'm, you know, that's probably where we're going to get into next. And, you know, from there on out, you know, that it, you saw the seeds being planted and it was awesome. It was just awesome watching that fire get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Everything. So, important. you know, so even pushing through there, you can really feel the momentum turning his way, obviously, right? He even wrestled in a main event match for the vacant title in a four way match in your house. Yes. Uh, then a day later, he's um, causing heart to lose by Sid the day later by interference. And then I want to fast forward a little bit because then we really get to um, the masterpiece. This is the match that everybody wants to level up yes. to like measure this match against this. This is the five star Dave Meltzer match that, you know, almost never gives WWE a five star match ever uh, at WrestleMania 13 guys just. Take it away. Talk about Imagine, it. Imagine, for over a decade, you fought to reach the pinnacle of your profession. Through sweat and dedication, you've earned the respect of fans, friends, and even your adversaries. Then, you walk away. When you return six months later, nothing is the same. I've been screwed by Shawn Michaels, the boy toy. I've been screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've been screwed by... I... Uh, I, I... There are no friends. I love pro wrestling. Kind of and... <laughs> I'm gonna. I hope I don't get emotional during this, but you cry. This was a moment that I saw. I love Hulk, and and I saw and WCW beating the shit out of Vince, and it was it was so hard. 
like to fathom, but I loved Hulk. So I loved it. Like I did. I, w- I was really more leaning towards WCW. I'm going to be honest because I loved Hulk and I love that he re-revolutionized wrestling again with Hall and Nash. The NWO was a big deal and all that stuff. And like, I really enjoyed it because I always loved Hulk. I don't wish ill will on Vince or WWF, and I'm so glad they didn't go out of business, but they did come close. Jim Ross has said many times on podcasts, like the word bankruptcy was brought up more than a few times as an option. Mm-hmm. And, and during that time. So when they had WrestleMania 13, they were down and out and uh, they didn't know what to do. And they still had some shit storylines and shit characters and all that stuff. And it wasn't all roses yet. in in the beginning of 97, not, not by a long shot. And yeah. WCW was just fucking hammering down on them. The ratings, they were setting cable ratings on Nitro and all that stuff. And Vince was just trying to struggle uh, to, to catch up. But he had Austin and he had Brett and he had this chemistry and all that stuff. And, and man, I got WrestleMania 13 as a pay-per-view and I had forgotten what WrestleMania was. And I forgot the energy that WrestleMania could bring and what it meant. And uh, eh, the card was blah. It was. And uh, I know Craig was over and Joe might have been over. And and we watched Austin and Brett. And, 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 and let me I know Cuz's favorite is Austin, but I've I my favorite Hulk and I always kind of hammer on that. But really, Austin was one of my favorite workers when I really first learned what workers were and what they meant to the business and what a heel could do. And, you know, how he really was the mastermind and how he had to figure, you know, things out and play with the crowd. I really liked Austin and and I didn't realize how much I loved Brett because I love the heart foundation. And then when Brett, I don't know where I turned on Brett. I think when Brett became champion, I got soured on it because it was just oddly done. And so I was falling back in love with Brett because I always knew what kind of a worker Brett was. And you watch Brett, Brett's like fucking water in there. It's ridiculous. Even when you go and watch Brett, he's so good. God damn it. He's so good. And when I saw this match at WrestleMania 13 between these guys, I was just like, I forgot how not only special WrestleMania should be, but what like what a great match was. A truly, truly great match. And when I watched it and everything that went down, and we'll talk about the blood and all that stuff or whatever, and Austin passing out, just watching those two go, I I remember afterwards being like breathless and kind of emotional because I was just like, God, I think I it hit me then. This is gonna be a fight. WCW is not going to take this away. It's going to be a fight. Like it's going to be a fucking fight. I just saw Austin and Brett in one of the best matches I've ever seen. Not because you can go back and be like, what a great wrestling match. It wasn't that it was a great match. You believe they were fighting. You believed everything that led up to it. The, you know, the shit man and everything that cuz said, you know, all the little funny things he said or whatever. And you believed it. And you, and that character finally, fucking hit oh my god stone cold steve austin is over not over as in done but he's over like this is a guy that finally put his character together and then finally showed me the guy that he was in wcw and he came back and he fucking stood in there with brett 
and was just like, and you'd seen him, you know, as the ringmaster, the legend has it as a ringmaster. He had great house show matches with, with Michaels that tore the house down. So everyone knew that Austin was a great worker, but now you saw it on the main stage. He put two and two together and got his character finally like refined and, and almost perfect. And then he fucking became stunning Steve Austin and said, I'm going to fucking go toe to toe with you because I'm a great pro wrestler. God damn it. And like, that's what I was so emotional after that match. And I was so thankful like that. God, this is why I love pro wrestling. This is what WrestleMania is, by the way. WCW had just been beating the shit out of him for like eight months. And NWO is all anybody could talk about. And I loved it. It was great. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck, like, holy shit. Like, I just saw a WrestleMania match for God's sakes. And it was a WrestleMania match to end all WrestleMania matches at the time. And it was like, wow, I can't talk enough about this match. I can't describe i mean what it meant to austin's career and brett even though brett doesn't really it didn't unfortunately brett ended his ending sucked but at the same time this was like a double turn it was the it was a a signal that the crowd that the wrestling audience was changing and wrestling had NWO kind of figured out, well, we got to, they like bad guys. They like cool bad guys. Right. And we're going to fucking go with it. And like, but WWF was trying to figure out like, okay, how do we, we got to tell the story of this fan favorite and we got to switch him at the same time. And then make this guy who called him the shit man, like two months before, like a face somehow, because people are cheering Austin, like they're cheering him. And we got to tell Brett in the behind the curtain, because Brett was really mad. Brett was really legitly mad behind the curtain. Like, I'm I'm the I'm the babyface. Why am I getting booed? Why why? And Brett didn't really understand it at the time, but Brett knew that Austin was hot and that he's really good. So Brett knew that much. And he's like, I gotta I Austin, I gotta be it's gotta be Austin to me. Like, you know, but at the same time, Brett's like, Why am I why am I getting booed? And Austin was getting cheered, and Vince just finally pulled the trigger and they did this amazing double switch that is and Ken Shamrock had a big deal with that too because yes. Ken Shamrock was a special referee but Ken Shamrock was a big part of the boo at the end right when Brett refused to fight him you know that was again like all part I, it's Pat all Patterson memorable. did this Pat Patterson did this by the way no shocker and like it just it 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 got me emotional because like I'm like wow I know I know it's fake stupid wrestling right but I loved Austin and I loved Brett and I was just like god like finally like, you know, I, I remember what WrestleMania is supposed to be. I remember what good storytelling, because as good as the story of the NWO was, they couldn't really, you know, they were all, Paul Hogan was old and, you know, they were using flair and he was old and all that stuff. And I'm not ripping on those guys, but it's like, but Vince figured out and Austin with Brett and they all figured out how do we, we got to fucking be the best product in the ring. And we have to be the best product, like storytelling wise. So what do we do? And I, I, I mean, this match, what do you say? I, I, what do you say? Fuck. I can't even say it's a good match because that's so like demeaning to this match. It defined an era and it launched the biggest star in, in that era in Austin. It saved the company. And it changed Brett. And even though Brett didn't appreciate it at the time, it put Brett in his best period ever that heel Brett with the heart foundation 
Tell me any better promos that Brett's ever cut. Tell me any better of a fucking raw motion that Brett hit, that raw nerve that Brett struck when he was heel in the USA, but face in Canada. Who's ever was, done that before? Yes, that was fucking it was, never, that shit, it was never more real until that point. All of Brett. that shit stemmed, and it was from the wrestling audience wanting something different. Yes. And they kind of brought it. Th- they still were in character, but they brought it to the forefront. I cannot describe to people the buildup to this match was just as important. Like what Cud says about Austin's little promos, the Royal Rumble, the sitting on the thing with the watch and then sure. call him the shit man and all that stuff. All of it had to happen in order for this to happen. But this match defined like the, the success that WWF would enjoy a year later. Like mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Ken Shamrock stopping it, stopping it right now. That's it. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin Hanna. Austin is unconscious. Austin never gave up. And uh, like I said, one would say that this is probably the best match ever you know, that we've that we've ever seen. And uh, you know, it, it's you can see well, WrestleMania for sure, for sure, yeah. yeah. Best WrestleMania match, you know. I, I I could put it down as probably the greatest match ever. And I don't think you're going to get too many disputes over that. Um, so after one more title opportunity with the Undertaker, as we just move the move the chains along here, uh, Austin also found the time to be a two time WWE Tag Team Champion. Believe it or not, one with Shawn Michaels yeah, Shawn. on the first run, and one with Dude Love on the second. Did you guys want to discuss that briefly before we get on to the? You know, the, the I'm craziness. not trying to dismiss it, but you know, it's a blip. Michaels is, yeah, well, is a big. Michaels is being a piece of shit at this time, and and as talented as he was, you know, Michaels was injured when it was convenient, and then when he saw the double switch at Mania and all that stuff, that all oh, Michaels is healthy now, he's got to come back, and so Michaels fucking interjects himself and whatever. I feel that the whole. Steve Austin with Shawn Michaels and the tag team shit in 97. It was 97, right? It was 96. Mm, I believe we were in 97, yeah. Was it? I think so. Let's see. I don't know because it was a little earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fought, earlier. Than they that. fought each other at King of the Ring 97, right? Austin and, and Shawn. Yeah, because 96 was 316. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, fe- I view the Shawn Michaels thing as a distraction. Cause Sean's a fucking cocksucker. So and it held, it held him back a little longer than yes. Yes. Because yeah. honestly, after Brett, it should have been fucking here we go. But because Michaels came back in, Vince <laughs> is like, Michaels is my guy. I love him. And like, you just fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. Like I, I, yeah. I hate Sean Michaels. Sometimes I do. It's so stressful. Like it's so stressful hating him and how talented he actually is. But like yeah. just hating him as a fucking person because he's a dick. And like, or was a dick, was a dick and probably yeah. still is whatever. Fuck Michaels. <laughs> and so, so uh, yeah, it just it slowed him down because really after that the most notable thing is is Owen. Yeah, well this is well, this it was, was actually the Canadian speaking, stampede in your house, and then it was yeah. Owen. I mean, speaking of yeah, and that did happen. So speaking of you know things that you hate because we love Owen Hart, and there's going to be an Owen Hart bio soon, guys. So stay tuned for that. By the way, it's coming. Um, but I have to tell you that this is so hard to discuss. Like you hate Owen for a second, but you also realize that hey, not really his fault, right? So. Um, let's just let's talk about the match. Let's talk about the botch and the aftermath. I mean, so the whole um, build was, and just to, this should be thrown in there too. In your yeah. house, Canadian Stampede was still to this day regarded as one of the best overall WWF pay per views ever. And the main event, it was an eight man tag. It was the Hart Foundation, Brett Anvil, 
Owen, Bulldog, and uh, Pillman against Austin, Goldust, Shamrock, and LOD. And uh, they were in Canada. And, of course, Brett and the Hart Foundation, it was right when they first kind of formed the Hart Foundation. And um, and the ovation, go back and watch that match. And the ovation for the Hart Foundation is just so, like, you, I get goosebumps even to this day. And uh, and Austin was actually he was booed, but at the same time, people cheered him like and that's how you knew Austin was a fucking big deal still at this time that he was getting really big because they were still pushing the, the fight with Brett. But at the end, Austin was so preoccupied with Brett and Brett's family and the crowd that Owen rolled him up and pinned him in this match, which set up Owen versus uh, Stone Cold at SummerSlam 97 for the IC belt. That's how it all happened. So it's an amazing way they splintered it off because again, the secondary belt, the IC belt <gasps> fucking meant something fucking crazy. So Vincent mm-hmm. them knew that Austin was getting really hot. And of course with Brett in the back going, I mean, I mean, what do you want me to say about Austin? He's fucking the man, and, you know, like all that. Like, so, so they were like, okay, let's get the IC belt on Austin and see what the crowd thinks. You know, how long will they really like him? Will they like him as champion? Blah, blah, blah. So like, that's what, that's what led into SummerSlam 97, uh, Owen versus Stone Cold. And, uh, they get there. Austin gets a fucking, they're at Madison Square Garden, right? Cause no. Was it Madison Square? No, it wasn't Madison Square Garden. Fuck. I don't remember when. Jesus. I thought it Put was. It in the machine. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the machine. I don't remember. But anyway, so it was, uh, it might've been like something different, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't MSG. I'm wrong. But, um, but so, you know, Austin comes out, gets a massive reaction when he walks out, like a true, like baby face, like you're over pop, like kind of thing. And unfortunately this was going to be Austin, Pinning fucking Owen, nailing him with the stunner, stunner, winning the IC belt, run with the secondary championship. So Vincent kind of gave New the Jersey. crowd and see what happened. New Jersey. There you go. That's what I said, right? I didn't say MSG. I said New Jersey. Fuck you guys. <laughs> um, so, so, and unfortunately what happened in this match is they have a spot where they were going to reverse like tombstone pile drivers, you know, uh, so-and-so would set him up and then they reverse out of it or whatever. They do a little cartwheel and reverse out. No, they would fall forward and reverse out of it. I will defend Owen in the sense that, I watched Owen for years before. And if you've ever watched Owen do a tombstone pile driver where you pick the guy up and he's facing you, if if you can catch my visual. Sure. Um, Undertaker falls forward on his knees, right? That's a tombstone. Owen always fell back in a traditional pile driver on his ass. That's the way Owen's always delivered that move. If you go back and look at that, something happened in the translation with Austin when they were working that spot out that night. He, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to do this. You're going to reverse me, reverse me. We'll get the crowd on their feet. And then you're going to hit me with the tombstone. And, and Owen was like, yes. But Owen, in his mind, thought, well, you know, my the way I do the tombstone is kind of the way, you know, like if, you know, how Undertaker picks, picks people up in a body slam, right? But then he puts them on his shoulder and then he falls forward on his knees. That's the way Taker does it. But with the way Owen does it is he picks them up on his shoulders to where they're facing him. And not I'm not trying to be graphic. I'm just trying to describe for people who don't know. His face is kind of by his balls, like his mouth is right by his balls. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm really not trying to make a joke. I'm just trying to paint a visual. And then Undertaker would fall forward on his knees. But the way Owen always did it was he picked him up in that to where the guy's face was kind of facing Owen's crotch area. And then Owen would fall back into a traditional pile driver where Owen would land on his ass and do kind of a reverse pile driver, yeah. I guess. As Spiking them on their head. So. Yes. So Owen's always done that. I've seen tapes of Owen do that before. 
But when him and Austin worked it out, I don't think Austin really realized that. So when they were doing the tombstone, Austin prepped for he's going to fall forward on his knees. But Owen actually fell back on his ass in a traditional pile driver, reverse pile driver. And actually, Owen or uh, Austin wasn't ready. So Owen's head was sticking like six inches out of, you know, out from the bottom of Owen's thighs, Owen's thighs, excuse me. And Owen did a sit down and crushed the fuck out of Austin's head and spine. And it, again, I'm normally we'll say, hey, go back and watch this or whatever. It's a great match. Go back and watch SummerSlam 97. Austin and dropped on his head. It's brutal. And he lands wrong and falls down on his head, compresses his spine, has a stinger, what they call in the business for a minute, and he's paralyzed. And you really see you see Owen's panic on his face. You see Owen try to ponder to the crowd and try to get them a chant. The match was a kiss my ass match. If Austin lost, he would have to kiss Owen's ass live on TV or something like that. And so, you know, Owen was getting up trying to get the trend, you know, uh, he's going to kiss my ass, kiss my ass and all that stuff. But you see the ref talking to Austin. You see Austin, his hands were like up, but his wrists were limp. Like, and he, you could tell Austin had no control over his body. And like, it, it's, it's so awful in the sense of like, wow, like he could have died. He yes. could have been paralyzed yes. forever. And uh, he does the lamest roll up ever to pin yeah. Austin because yeah, Austin was booked so to win. And Austin knew at so this time, hard. like, yeah, yeah I hard. have to win. Right. This is part of my rise of my character. So I know it sounds dumb to people, but in the storyline, Austin had to win. Austin Owen couldn't just beat him because there was an injury. And then, you know, Austin get the victory back later. That would not have worked. SummerSlam's the second biggest show of the year. And in Austin was booked to win the second biggest title in the company. And this had to happen. Austin had to beat him with the stunner and pin him. And the crowd goes nuts. That had to happen to advance the Austin storyline, the Austin character and all that stuff. It just didn't happen. And the pile driver hit. And if you, it's the most uncomfortable like scary thing. One of the most scary things you've ever seen. We've seen, unfortunately people die in the ring lately in the last like 10 years. But I mean, like this could have easily been that Austin could have really been a paraplegic and not being. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And it derailed Austin. However, we're going to talk about how it's probably the best thing that ever happened. Austin. Yeah, no, it's true because, um, he wins that first IC title, but he has to give it up due to injury as well as the tag titles. Um, though he can't wrestle, what it's pretty much said is he can still hit a hell of a stunner. And this Owen Hart issue that you will, you call it a feud, call it the botch, it led to it. It leads right into one of the greatest feuds of all time. This um, is so important. Like, if you think so about important. this. Yeah. If you think that Austin never got injured at SummerSlam 97, right? Let's go with that narrative. Sure. And everything went fine and Austin beat him with the stunner and he won the IC belt and he would fucking ride off in the sunset with the IC title. I'm not saying their plan. Their plans were was for Austin to eventually win the heavyweight belt. It was. Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah. Austin was that hot. He was going to be that guy. But when Austin got injured, he couldn't wrestle. But he got cleared enough to where he can go in the ring and do promos and all that stuff. And he can still do a stunner, which is really funny considering he sits on his ass and it compresses his spine. But yet it was fine. So it worked. I don't know. I don't know. But nowadays you would not be able to get away from that. They wouldn't even let him in the ring. But um, but so basically uh, he talked to Vince and Vince is like, well, 
I'm kind like you've kind of been flirting with me or whatever and like challenging me and you kind of been outing me. Brett before that in some promos was sort of outing Vince as the owner of the company, which had never been revealed to us before on TV that Vince was the owner of the WWF. And so it might have been some slip ups here and there leading up to it years before, but it was never like a part of the storyline. So basically it was like Vince came up with the idea of I need to get on screen as and he wasn't Mr. McMahon yet. It was just Vince McMahon, the announcer. And then it came out that he was the owner of the WWF. So he came out there as the owner and he told Austin and this was a Madison Square Garden live Monday Night Raw and uh, in 97. And he was like, uh, you know, I want to protect you from yourself. You you shouldn't wrestle and we're trying to protect you. You keep coming out here. You keep stunning slaughter. You keep stunning refs. You keep stunning this guy and that guy and this person. But like, I'm telling you right now, we're here to protect you. And then cuz go ahead and you say this interview, the best, this was the most, one of the most iconic interviews he ever said. And what did he say to Vince? Well, once again, another paraphrasing of it. Cause you know, we'll, we'll introduce the clip for the fans. Uh, but I appreciate the fact that you, and the fans of the, of the WF care. But hell, I also appreciate the fact that you can kiss my ass. And boom. I appreciate the fact that you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. Him with the stunner, uh, and then he takes the most fins. awful bump. Well, yeah, it is one of the yeah. but before that, he stunned Slaughter. He was building up to Vince, and he yes. nailed it. When he did yes. that, yes. when he did that, Vince knew right there, I have to be a character, and like, and like that, like because you told the crowd you want Austin, you can't have him. So leading after that, Vince McMahon, the character, started to be born. And he was telling people that you can't have Austin. You guys don't know what it's like to run a business. I do. And he was just playing heel after that, being like, you don't get it. You can't have a liability in here and all that stuff. So that that makes people want Austin more. And so for yeah. month, for a couple months, they built it up to where until Austin was healthy, he was able to face Owen Hart at Survivor Series 97. And yeah. he beat Owen Hart for the Intercontinental title the way he should have beat him at SummerSlam yeah. 97. But what else happened that night in Survivor Series 97 that was very significant? Ooh, a little screw job, if you will. The Montreal screw job, which actually <laughs> inadvertently put Vince's character over even way, more yeah. to the moon. Brett's so Brett. after Brett left and they do the screw job, which I'm sure we'll cover the screw job one of these days. And I don't want to, but we will. I'm sure it's everybody, funny. everybody talked about to death. death um, like yeah. after that, the McMahon character became nuclear. And so he's mm-hmm. just like, dude, who's my hottest baby face? Austin. And boom, there you go. And then Austin yeah. and Vince started antagonizing each other. And then we get into 1998. Yeah, this, this is this is perfect. Right, in, right into where I'm at. So 98 is where it really gets white hot. First off, Austin wins the Royal Rumble, which gets you. What does it get you, ladies and gentlemen? Huh? Huh? The title, title shot. Title shot. Title shot. A title shot at WrestleMania. So he gets that title shot. He's good to go. And the next night is where things get really interesting because it's announced that WWE was able to attain Iron Mike Tyson for a series of dates. And on this Raw, it developed into one of the greatest segments 
ever. Like when when they when when WWF or E at this point gets Mike Tyson, like that's like that you can tell the handcuffs are off. I mean, even Bischoff turned his head on that one and goes, Oh, oh that that's kind of a big fucking deal. They got they got Mike Tyson. Okay. Now I'm starting to now I'm starting to get a little scared, right? I think he always thought he can recover it or win win back or or eventually take over for good. And then when he saw Mike Tyson, I think he was towards like, he's like, um, now I'm not so sure. Right. And leading up to this, not to get on a WCW tangent, no, go ahead. they had ultimately, they ended up winning the ratings war for 83 straight weeks, straight yeah. weeks mm-hmm. that they beat him. And now it's coming to a close. Like at this point in the beginning of 98, WWE, even though WWF was losing the six months before this, it was like, you know, Nitro was doing like 4.2 and Vince was doing 3.5. Can I tell you that Raw wishes today that they had a 3.5? Let me tell you what that is. So Vince is losing on cable with the 3.5 and WCW is winning with like a 4.2. Both shows majorly successful at this point. Like, so even though Vince hadn't beat him yet, he was climbing. He's losing, putting up over 3 million households watching a program. Are you fucking kidding on cable on USA? Like, that's crazy. So, like, to put it in perspective here, like, yeah, Nitro was winning in the beginning of 98, but Vince was gaining major ground and losing, but also losing with major, like, ratings. Like, Vince had 3-point-something million. That's fantastic. Like, that's really good. So, they were closing in. It was going to happen. You saw it happening with Austin and the the Tyson thing. And then I'm sure we're going to go right into what physically needed to happen. You know, I, they brought Tyson live on Raw. And yep. geniusly from the beginning, Vince made it about his product and his top star, which was Austin. Yep. From the beginning, you better not come out here and ruin this for me. You better fucking not. Like, you don't do it. <laughs> so, of course, when you say that at the beginning of the show, everyone's going to tune in. And they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, you better not. I'm gonna, I got to watch this now. So, they did the whole thing where Tyson was supposed to debut at the end of the night on Raw. And the whole show, Austin, Vince is like, Austin, you better not fucking do it. You better not do it. At the end, they get Tyson out there. Vince is out there. He's the Mr. McMahon character that we know. But we don't know he's Mr. McMahon yet because it's just all so new. So he's out there parading Tyson around. He's got security all around him. He's got Slaughter in there and Patterson. And he's like, uh-huh, I got Tyson. He will be a you know part of WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. Austin's music hits. Austin comes out. Vince geniusly as the heel that he is, you better not ruin this for me. You better not like Scott. How great is that? How genius is that? So Austin's trying to get in the ring and people holding him out. He finally gets in there. He gets nose to nose with Tyson. Tyson pushes him. He pushes Tyson back. Fucking people break him up. Now people in the mainstream media are covering that Tyson's on wrestling, but this guy Austin stood in his face and got in his face. What fucking better coverage do you fucking need for your product? It just fucking catapulted Austin into the stardom and WCW hadn't lost yet, but it was coming quickly after this, like really quick. And, uh, that moment is huge for Austin. That's one of the big ones. It ranks right up there with the, yes. you know, WrestleMania 13 and all that stuff and everything like yeah. him facing off a of Tyson and all those photographers at ringside taking pictures for major magazines and publications and all the yeah. newscasters that were there for Channel 7, Channel 11, Channel 4, Channel 2. They all covered this. And yeah, it was big news that Tyson signed. But this guy, this bald guy with the goatee named Austin came in there, 
flipped him off on live TV and pushed him and people were nuts. And Vince never lost sight, though, that this is a wrestling angle. So from the beginning, it was always about Mr. McMahon versus Stone Cold. Even though he got Tyson, it didn't matter. The bread and butter was Stone Cold and Vince. I respect what you've done, Mike, but you're out here calling yourself the baddest man on the planet. Right now, you got your little beady eyes locked on the eyes of the world's toughest son of a... I could beat you any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Do I think, I, do I think you could beat my ass? Hell no. Do I think I could beat your ass? Why, hell yeah! I don't know how good your hearing is, but if you don't understand what I'm saying, I always got a little bit of sign language, so here's to you. Absolutely genius. The man wrote the book on, I mean, at this point, all WWE was just, yeah, all good shit. All good shit. And there's a lot of good quotes in that little uh, interaction with him and Tyson. You call yourself the baddest man on the planet. Well, right now, you got eighty little eyes locked on the world's toughest son of a bitch. And then the, yeah, uh, you just, I don't know if it's you're hard. It's all about Vince. I, it's, I don't know what happened to Vince, right? Like it was all about like, we have to get our product over. Tyson's only going to be here for a couple months, but we need, when he leaves, our product needs to be better for that. And it was like, and it was great. And, uh, what else are we going to cover after this, Dave? Well, basically after that, because you obviously know that Mike Tyson's dates are going to be limited, like we talked about. But, you know, one of those dates is going to be WrestleMania 14. Um, and basically we have Austin facing off against Shawn Michaels. And everybody thinks because Michaels is more of that corporate boy, everybody thinks that uh, that's who Tyson's going to side with. That's the way it was going the whole time. Didn't necessarily happen. So even though Austin and and Tyson are feuding in the beginning. It's actually Tyson that comes in and gives the fair shake to Austin. Finally, you know, I can't tell how many times Austin's been screwed either for real reasons or for kayfabe reasons. And finally the, like you said, the big, the baddest son of a bitch on, in this fucking federation uh, wins the title from Shawn Michaels. And the Austin area is now off and running. This is, this is where everybody's just losing their mind. They still didn't beat WCW. WCW still had them until no, it's all until, true. until April thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight. I'll yep. never forget this. I, I remember watching this live like it was yesterday, and uh, I kept track of the ratings war at this point because the internet was kind of become. I had the internet at my house and all that stuff, and some of the dirt sure. sheets were they were converting to internet so you could see the ratings. And uh, Raw was inching closer every week. They were getting close and close. It became, you know, Nitro would win 4.3 to 3.9. And it was getting really close. And uh, at the beginning of this Raw, geniusly, they announced they had a face-off between Austin and Vince. And Austin's world champion. And Vince is like, you want to fight me? You got it. 
And Austin's like, I'll beat you with one hand tied behind my back. So from the beginning, it was a major commercial to the last whatever the main event was going to be Steve Austin facing Vince McMahon, who we've all seen now in many matches. But back here, never competed in the ring ever, ever. This is like insane. So now you see the Mr. McMahon character really getting developed. And then it was like, uh, by the way, Austin, I'm going to take you up on that offer. You will have one hand tied behind your back when you face me tonight. So it was like we knew the whole two hour raw was being hyped. By the way, at the end of the show, McMahon and Austin with Austin, one hand tied behind his back. And that was the way they did it. And that was the first night that they beat Nitro in 83 weeks. Not calm at all. Oh, here we go. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, come on, Stone Cold. You've shut your mouth off so much. You feel froggy. Why don't you jump? Austin with that uh, very... Monday Night Raw beat Monday Nitro for the first time in that length. It's, 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 I remember when I watched that show and I saw, I was flipping back and forth. I flipped back and forth, baby. And I remember I flipped back and when I, I was by myself when I watched it and I, no one will believe me, but I said this to myself, what an amazing build. When they said at the end of the night that they're going to face each other and Austin has has his hand tied behind his back, I, in my mind, I was like, this is the week. And sure as shit, the next day when I woke up and the ratings came out, WWF Monday Night Raw finally beat Monday Nitro after 83 weeks of losing. It was uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was like it was close. I'm making up numbers right now, but it was so close. It was like a 4.4 to a 4.2. Like it was fucking super close, but it was like think about both promotions, how many viewers they were getting at that time. It's insane what the Monday Night Wars were and how much both companies we're getting people to watch them and flip back and forth. It was this amazing like time that if you didn't live through, I, I feel sorry for you. And I know you can't help when you're born and what you're born into, but like, I feel sorry for you. The Monday night wars were fucking phenomenal. It was adrenaline every single week. It really was. And even when WWF was losing, it was, it was adrenaline every week and it was like great TV and you saw yeah. fails and you saw successes and you just, but this year, was just like it, it. It's history. It was Austin hitting the stratosphere and the character Mr. McMahon being his villain, and like it was just so brilliant. And I'll stop talking, but it was so good, <laughs> so good. All this. Well, just to just to speed up the clock a little bit. Um, there were so many things that that went down. Um, you know, once once Austin was champion, so Raw the next day, you know, McMahon's like, is it going to be the easy way or the hard way? And Austin finally says, no, we're going to go my way. You hit another stunner, right? Then you get the new corporate champion ruse. He comes out in his little suit and his little tie, and we all know what's going to happen. But we're we're still excited to see it. Once again, another stunner. Then he's working with Do Love. Um, and actually, um, due to all of Vince's interference all the way through, Austin finally loses the title to Kane um, in a first blood match. What what uh, what pay per view was that at, Jess? It was uh, King of the Ring '98. King of the Ring '98. That's where Austin finally drops the title for the first time. So, but what's <laughs> that's interesting, where Mick Foley got thrown off the cage by the yeah. Undertaker. So yeah. yeah, 
It's so crazy. So that first blood match, you're like, eh. But then you realize, oh, we got Undertaker. But the next time in Raw, Austin wins it back from Kane. He wins it right back, yeah. Pops a massive rating, like a massive rating. And the crowd, oh, God. If, go back and see that Raw the day after King of the Ring 98. And, uh, uh, yeah, 98. And, yeah. Uh, God, Austin pinning him. The crowd went fucking nuts. It was awesome. It was awesome. And he holds that title until until breakdown where the title is actually vacated. And we have the whole bang 316 going down. There's even Rock V. Austin in the same freaking month. There's so much to talk about here. Hopefully we kind of we really get to the meat of it. So let's get let's get into that. So that whole month is pretty is pretty hot, right? He he holds that till breakdown. The title's vacated. We talk about him basically dominating Vince throughout the entire show, threatening to hurt him and shoot him and all that. And then you got that first Rock v. Austin match all happening. Well, it's, it's and, and they, you know, we skip past it because we're just talking about the legacy of Steve. But sure. At the end of 97, they feuded for the IC belt, the Rock and Austin. And they had yeah. a great match at uh, In Your House shit. DX in December of 97. Uh, and and uh, yeah, they started back then, you know, and again, it's so much like. You, we're going to skip over some stuff here in this Austin era. And I hate to say it, you know, and I, I really, at this point I am feeling it's going to be a part two, but I mean, like, it's just so, so many things started at once because they were trying to beat WCW and they were trying to just find their voice and, and do things and, and find, okay, that worked great. Let's capture that. And so many things happened at the same time. I mean, the rock rose at the same time, not as big as Austin. Austin started rising before that, but I mean, like the rock started coming up as a heel and being really appealing to the crowd and all that stuff. And and they did, they feuded for the IC belt at the end of 97. And people don't remember that. And it was great matches. It was good, really cool shit where Austin drove the truck down and backdrop fucking poor needle on the windshield and uh and all this crazy stuff like you know so not to rewind you back but i mean like yeah there's so many great shit oh yeah that's happening no it's, it's and it's tough to catch it all you, you miss out on those feuds too so um it's just it's quite impressive you know you've got all that going on um and like i said we you know we, we want to speed it up a little bit we get into that 99 royal rumble where vince is still kind of you know, pushing his executive buttons, he actually gives him a special drawing of what number, Jess? What does Vince draw for good old Stone Cold? Number one. Number one. And it, it's kind of fun, too. McMahon actually wins the Bro Rumble in, in this match. But since The Rock is already champion, and that's kind of his guy, he gives up his shot uh to to do the title. He's like I don't I'm 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 going to vacate my title shot. And then what people forget is that there was a commissioner at the time and that was Commissioner Shawn Michaels. He actually gave ugh. that shot to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Go ahead and give me the ugh. what's going on. Ugh. No, I just see Shawn Michaels makes me vomit. Oh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and we got McMahon and Austin going head to head for the title shot at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Go ahead and talk about the match. And that was uh, 1999, February, right? Yeah. Yes. And there's a debut there. I know there's some things we don't like about that, but let's discuss it briefly and then um, we'll, we'll get into it. was uh, the debut another. of the big show, which is no- notable for sure. Um, but it really shows that, like, up until then, the character, Mr. McMahon, had been throwing actual wrestlers in Austin's way, and it worked. But finally, when they faced each other, actually, St. Valentine's Day Massacre didn't get a great buy rate. It wasn't terrible, but it didn't get a great buy rate because once you finally get McMahon and Steve in a cage, 
you know, one-on-one Austin should beat the shit out of him. Right. And that's kind of what happened and all that stuff. And it's just, so there was no really build. It's funny because Hulk would face uh, McMahon and yes, one fan, I'm fucking forcing Hulk into an Austin episode. Fuck you. Um, so it, it would happen later at WrestleMania 19 when Hulk would face Vince. It actually didn't spike a huge buy rate either. And it's because when you finally get Vince in the ring, even though every now and then he would get in the ring, you, you, you've created this over years, decades. Wrestling has been this fake great athlete against great athlete, right? So when you finally put Vince in there, the guy, when you finally get to the end, it's this cowardly Vince who was the old owner or current owner, or he was almost like a manager figure, Vince McMahon. So when you finally get Vince in the ring against Austin at February and St. Valentine's Day Massacre in the cage, you know, Austin better beat the shit out of him. Right. And he did. And Vince took a couple cool bumps and all that stuff or whatever. But the main event, you know, the main thing of that match was the debut big show. But I mean, like the same thing with Hogan and, and, and Vince and WrestleMania 19, it didn't spike a big buy rate because people were just like, well, I mean, even the Hulk's old, he's a wrestler and you're not. And Hulk better beat you. Right. Like, and so it's yeah. just kind of, it always became that when Vince finally got in there, it never drew huge because it's like that. I don't know. What do you do? Well, the, the, the chase is over. You know, no, the chase is point. over. So I really believe in 99 and St. that that's when it ended. I mean, yeah, the Vince and Austin feud carried on after that, but at the same time, it really yeah. ended right there. He finally got his hands on him, right? That was the whole thing. You finally get your hands on Vince and he beat the shit out of him and still cage. And yeah, big show did debut at the end or whatever to try to continue it. But really that it ended at that point. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like I said, jumping ahead again, that that feud is kind of over. They still they still play it off. It's not over, but it is like he finally got his hands on Vince. You, you um, yeah, you're now you're coming down the hill. You've climbed the mountain. Yeah. You're coming down the hill to that point. So uh, at that, you know, at that section, you know, once the debut happens, then we get WrestleMania 15 and we got Austin versus Rock. And I know it's a it's a really good match. Maybe not the great match, but it's a good match. Austin now is a three-time WWF champion. Defeat. He beats the Rock, the Rock. At, at WrestleMania 15. Yep. So, and then it gets a little. It gets shit gets crazy here because he's trading the title with the Undertaker a bit. He's becoming CEO. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep up with the average fan. Things this is the Russo era, maybe. Yeah. So it, it is. It's well, a swerve. Before, swerve. I mean, before in October '99. Sure, I understand. But you know, can you briefly discuss the CEO um, storyline and the title changes that went down before we get to uh, Triple H and the Alliance? I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It was just all shit to try to advance the storyline. And once Russo got a hold of all the stuff before he left for WCW, Russo really wanted to do like Swerve Bros and all that stuff. And I know Vince had the final say in all. I'm not trying to blame Russo specifically, but I mean, like, yeah, just you know, they, they in '99 they really after he got his hands on Vince at St. Valentine's Day. Like it was really over and, you know, they were trying to, oh, excuse me. God, I got the goddamn hiccups. Um, They, they try to groom other people and all that stuff. And it's just like, they were really just trying to make Austin ride. Austin was their guy. Right. But in the meantime, rock was huge and Foley was getting huge and all that stuff. And like, you know, so I think it was just trying to, they were using Austin to try to already get new people over. That's what they were trying to do in 99. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, they were they were major hot. <clears throat> they were real hot, right? Because like they were. I mean, WWE, WWCW just fucking died in '99. Like they were no chance of winning the rating war and all that stuff. So WWF was firmly number one in '99, just firmly. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So 
I got a question for you, cousin. This one, I'll, I'll I'll lay the backdrop for you a little bit. This is where Triple H and the Alliance starts to come in from that '99 to '01 era. Um, so we, we know that Austin and Triple H and Mick Foley basically are are doing a, a three way tag match, right? So uh, my question for you, because this is what's in a lot of bio work, and I know Jess and I have already talked about it, so I want to get your opinion. Do you think Austin really just flat out refused to drop the title to Triple H? And was he right? If so, was he right in doing that? Because what everyone says, well, he's not big enough to take me on yet. So basically, Mankind's going to win the title offhand. And then he's going to be that transition to Triple H winning that that title, which is what happened. That was the transition champion. Um, you know, and also we we do know eventually to get Austin off TV. This is kind of why this is happening. But what what do you think about that? Why why wouldn't you just let Triple H, you know, just go over completely? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because usually Austin, you know, you you. I mean, at least from what you hear, like he usually doesn't have a problem, uh, you know, putting people over. So as long as it makes sense, yeah. Is what he's said, yeah. So I mean, it's really hard to know as far as what you know what goes on backstage, and you know, if there's issues, you know, other issues that we don't know about. I mean, if if Austin is still running wild, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I guess it's kind of conflicting because you know Austin himself has always said that it's better to for him to be chasing the title. So I I, I really don't know. I mean, it's hard. You know, he's he's the biggest thing since Hogan. Now you know he's he's running wild and he's going you know crazy and everyone loves him. And at the same time, it's like why? I guess why wouldn't you want to build up that next heel, that big heel that? You know, put you know someone else other than Vince McMahon to to chase after. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of torn on that one. Yeah, and, 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 and there's good sides. You know, arguments for both sides. I guess. Yeah, well, and especially too. We all know Austin's going away to repair his neck. Yeah, insight that that Owen had damaged two years prior. So true that. It so was I guess really he should have maybe then. They, all the all this stuff could have gotten him off TV, but instead they do the title change and then they have him get hit with the car, and that's what puts him off TV. Why couldn't they just have Triple H kayfabe injure him really True. good, you know, and, and a freak thing pin him, and then he comes back and and yeah. fuse. I mean, that's all. Hindsight, and I should have right? used that more. Yeah, I should have used yeah. more that more. Uh, and yeah, then and then at that point, I would say yeah, he should have probably just yeah went with a storyline kayfabe injury or whatever. That yeah. probably would have been better, but you know, I mean, I, I guess you could still say that's still a classic. Uh, as as, as Jess would say, right? This is the swerve, right? It's all swerve. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I did it for and, the rook. <laughs> yeah, so the you know they have the car hitting him. We don't know who did it. It kind of kind of goes cold for a while, and then Austin's gone, right? So he doesn't come back until April of two thousand. At yeah, Backlash. he's out the yes. entire almost the entire year of two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's at Backlash, and he interferes in the Rock to Triple H uh, versus Triple H, and that has yes. Rock become the new WWF champion. And then at that point, it's revealed that Triple H was behind the whole car hitting on Austin. Basically, he paid, um, was it Rikishi? Yeah. Uh, to hit him with yeah. the car, that kind of thing. And, and he said it was me the whole time i was behind the whole thing because i wanted to keep you out of the title picture because triple h really by his character felt threatened by stone cold like stone cold could do anything at any given time hit me a stunner from anywhere and I, my title's gone so he really was trying to keep you know by the storyline trying to keep 
Stone Cold out of wrestling completely. And that's where Triple H uh, and him get into a feud. The game is getting most of that, you know, is getting most of the good side of that feud. He's pinning Austin at No Way Out in 2001. Um, It sounds like a bad deal. Only one thing, though, just a little caveat. Uh, in January of that year, so just a little bit before this, Austin actually wins his third Royal Rumble, which sets up once again well uh, the the Rock v Austin, which is because um, he won a world I, title shot. Yeah, and yeah, he won his world title shot. So he's setting up Rock versus Austin at WrestleMania X Seven, and this is just, I mean, probably unnecessary, but a lot of people really like this match because. I don't think anybody expected it. It's one of the closest things to the Hogan heel turn, uh, you know, as far as, oh, shit, I didn't see that coming. Right. That was crazy. Like, with, uh, I hate to bring that again, but it's, it's, whoa, it's close. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Settle down. Settle you need down. To calm down with that statement. Yeah. First of all, let's talk about it. Talk this about match, WrestleMania, the, WrestleMania 17, Rock versus Austin was absolutely yeah. the whole WrestleMania to this day, the to me, to, this is my opinion, is the greatest match of WrestleMania yeah. ever. WrestleMania I agree. 17. Yeah, yeah, we, we, um, know, we know. It's fantastic. And the Rock versus Austin, WrestleMania 17, was their best match of their trilogy, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the Austin heel turn was awful. And to compare that to Hulk is your. It's nowhere near the same. Dave, if someone fucking I didn't say you right now, I didn't I'd say like, it was well, good. Deserved it. I, like that is ridiculous. Like, oh my god, that's not even on the same level. Oh my god, what? That's not even. On I'm the trying. Same I'm trying to tell all. you what I'm trying to tell you. I wasn't. I didn't say it was any better. Like in the aftermath. No, you said it was I, like I, like. Hogan. I even said no. Listen to me. I even said that we're gonna fucking was, rewind this. It was the most shocking heel turns. Like you never expected it. Just like Hogan uh, doing his heel turn at Bash of the Beach. Well, I didn't say that the aftermath was any good because we all know in hindsight that heel turn was not only unnecessary. It was kind of stupid. It just he was so adamant about becoming a heel though. We all know Stone Cold. I'm gonna be a heel. That's where I got to go now. It was shocking, but not as impactful as Hogan. Exactly. Yeah, it's as shocking, but not as impactful. That's what I'm trying to say. Shocking from the term or from the... the, That it it actually happened. That that, it happened and the fact that he joined Vince in that too. You know, the the guy that he's been feuding with the majority of his, you know... Yeah, nobody saw that coming. But nowhere near as an impact as Hogan turning heel and joining the NWO. I mean, that that just, you know, as far as impact, That's that's way above... Uh, that yeah. that heel turn, Austin's heel turn. Absolutely, I, just, I needed to calm you down for a second. I'll I'll calm you down, you son of a bitch. God damn! <laughs> All right, so but uh, so let's talk about that heel turn that only a few can can compare to. Right before the match began, it was something else that the match would be a no DQ match. Then actually during the match, Vincent comes down. We're like, oh, there comes Mister McMahon. And I think most are assuming that he would screw Austin again, so he's gonna work with yes, Rock. That's actually what to, I thought. Watching yeah, it. yeah, that's what I think. That's what everybody thought was gonna happen. Oh, he's gonna help the Rock because the Rock's a heel, and you know everybody loves Stone. No, the Rock was faced this night. It was faced. He was faced. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what. I mean. But still, it didn't matter because Vince was gonna. He hated Stone Cold yeah, so much. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. gonna. Yeah, he was. He was gonna take care of him. So, and it couldn't be further from what actually happened. So. um Basically, The Rock was prevented by Vince twice to pin Stone Cold, and then he basically hands Austin a chair to hit The Rock, which is why the no DQ rule is so important. And he pins him and takes that full-on heel turn with his five, well, sorry, with his fifth championship run. Oh, 
takes that he'll run to the limit, even teaming up with Triple H to cheat, cheat the rod out of his rematch opportunity. Where was that at, Jess? I was trying to figure that one out where they, they cheated Triple H. I'm sorry, they cheated out The Rock. Um, I think it was on Raw. Triple H. But do you remember? I can't remember where it was at on Raw, like what city they were in. I was trying to remember. I don't remember that, but it was a cage. I don't think it was a cage match. It was Austin versus Rock in a cage match. Yeah. And then that's when they showed the alliance with Triple H and uh, whatever, because Rock was leaving to film a movie. So they had to like do something, which, again, like (laughs) them knowing all this, turning their biggest baby face uh, heel, knowing that the Rock was going to be gone for like six months. Why would you put him with Triple H? You had your two biggest, face, your two biggest stars the in the company. Power trip, right? The little tag yeah, yeah that's what that's what's but coming. No, up again, you had that great, you had that great moment with Jericho and Triple uh, Chris Benoit and all yeah. that stuff, and they beat him in the tag match. But like, really, like Jericho and Chris Benoit hadn't developed their major characters yet. So, like, I mean, you you at WrestleMania, you knowingly align those two, and you turn Austin heel. Okay, that's risky, but all right. But then you know the Rock is going to be gone. Like you know, like on Raw, so who's the next your big night face or the now? After, right? I don't remember. Or the week yeah. after, they had a cage match and the Rock was gone. So they teamed Triple H up with with uh, Steve Austin, not turning Triple H face, which they should have done. It should have been Triple H being the face against Austin and McMahon. Oh yeah. But they didn't yeah. do that. So they put those guys together. And like, why would you do that? Why would you know knowingly turn? Austin heel knowing that the rock was going to leave the next night for months to film a movie. And then, I think and it's then a, knowingly it's a, it's a, put triple H with Austin. Like, yeah, it's the, weird. the second it's part, the second part weird. I can, the second part I can't explain, but the first part was because Austin really wanted to be a heel. He really pushed that persona. That's what he wanted. And it almost feels like they were trying to fit their storyline around it as if Austin was, no, I know he died. I totally agree with you on that one, but like, I yeah. know he does, but God, like what a bad choice to turn Austin heel in all that in those circumstances like yeah you know you're gonna lose the rock for months you know then on top of that you're like okay cool who's gonna be austin's you know uh rival triple h right no we're gonna turn him heel and put him with austin what why yeah. like why and, like that makes no sense and, like so they really <laughs> fucked themselves over that at that time like that that's why and, the heel and, turn and, didn't work. and honestly it, it might have worked it might have worked if they had a good face in mind but they didn't they, but didn't. they didn't have anything and yeah. it gets actually a little bit worse because they formed the power trip team they actually become tag chaps they beat undertaker and kane but then they have to scrap it because this is when triple h tears his quad muscle so even that backfires too it's right. just it was a bad storyline on top of it and then fucking triple h is out now yeah and then he gets out so and, and the funny thing is you're like well okay austin has to ditch the two-man power trip i guess that kind of that makes sense so what do what do we do we got to replace triple h and this is where I know we talked about this. We we might even get in a little fight over this. It's a pretty good replacement in Kurt Angle. And I'm not saying it for, it wasn't like it was a good replacement for Stone Cold because Stone Cold should have never been put in this position. But if you were going to have this evil, like a, you know, trifecta of, of superstars, you got Vince and then you got Stone Cold, you know, on the seal run. And then you put Kurt Angle into it. And this drastically changes the the venue of how wrestling goes because Kurt Angle I don't think anybody thought he had this in him, you know, where he's just he's tagging along with Stone Cold. He's kind of on his heels all the time. Um, you know, him and Vince buy a cowboy hat Dude. and and then no, those, and Angle, those are classic Angle's segments. Like, Even where's, they are. where's my hat? Yeah. Even and it's a baby. The, hat. Yeah. The angle helped kind of take because at this time 
WCW was done. Vince already had bought sure. WCW. Yeah. So now it's, they're it's all crash, on their yeah. own and they're trying to do this invasion angle and they're trying to turn Austin heel. Triple H gets injured and then they put, don't yeah. get me wrong, these vignettes with, with Angle with the small cowboy hat is super funny and everybody remembers them, but it didn't yeah. do anything to further that the fact that we needed a solid like face to take on Austin, that's right. Which they botched up just turning him heel to begin with. But yeah, it ended up at SummerSlam that year. Um, Angle beating <laughs> yeah. Austin for the title and turning Angle mm-hmm. face in a great match. Don't get me wrong. That great. was a really good feud. Yeah. But the sure. problem is you have a lot of things working against you at this point. WCW is done. So you have no competition. Arguably all of 2000 WCW wasn't really a lot of competition, but the fact that you had another wrestling show on a different channel was still always competition, even though it got yeah. really bad towards the end. It didn't matter. It made Vince turn, you know, put his best foot forward and, and put out his best product. After he bought WCW, he had no motivation. And then you turn your biggest star heel when your other biggest star rock is going to leave for six months or whatever, yeah. like it's just insanity, insanity. And then your other face heel turn ends up tearing his quad. And then you put yeah. angle with him as well. And you know, this all gets halted due to injuries and other items. When I'm talking about what gets halted, there were even feuds at this point for Austin with Benoit and Jericho, but basically um, Chris Benoit has to have neck surgery and Jericho just kind of moved on again, you know? So yeah. that even gets botched up. Um, just, it's just, so not only did they out. fuck up the invasion angle, but you have all these injuries happening everywhere, which yeah. couples the fact that you shouldn't have turned Austin Hill to begin with. And, and like, this, it just, is, it, and this it, is why it, the it, angle angle gets, it gets combines with the big, like, you know, it, it, they just fucked up the invasion angle. This, this starts the downturn of wrestling. You know, it yeah. peaked WrestleMania 17 was like the, to me, WrestleMania 17 was the greatest WrestleMania for a lot of different reasons, but it was the it was the final we won stamp on everything. And sure. then after that, it went down, just was just down. Yeah. So as the storyline pushes through, Austin sees Angle as a threat to his championship, and he just did not like Angle. He thought he was annoying, and he refused to team with him. So. This forces um, Vince to ask for the old Austin back because of the invasion angle they're trying to to face. They want the old Austin, so Vince does not, quote-unquote, lose his company like NWO kind of destroyed WCW. So there's these alliances, and Vince asks. And on the alliance, it was Stephanie and Shane facing Vince, basically. Yeah. Austin basically stuns every member of the lion of the alliance in the ring, and that leads him on that face Now he's finally, supposedly, going to uh, help lead against the alliance. And this is the invasion pay per view of Je- of July of same year, right? And Austin leads the WWF team against the alliance. What happened, Jess? Austin turns heel. Again. It's just so turns crazy. Against Vince. Yeah, it's just like, and, and this is, you know, it's it's so odd. But yeah, because he stuns everybody and he's he's the old Austin of old. But then he just goes right back to this weird heel angle again. And he feuds with Angle for the WWF Championship. So I think they knew they had something with Austin and Angle. And they knew it was going to be good. But I feel like it was rushed and it was forced because 
of all the injuries and all the things that happened, people leaving, they, they really, they put themselves in a bad spot. They put people in positions where, Oh, okay. I've got someone I can run aside for face in their mind. And then everybody gets hurt and then everybody leaves. And now you're like, damn, the one person that could have been the face is working with stone cold at this point. So they're forced to turn it and then they got to turn it again. And um, this is really, I think it's really difficult for Austin's career. Cause uh, we knew, we all know in hindsight that it's, it's winding down to a close here. And it could have been, it might, it could have been so much better. Um, but people still remember it in a fond way, right? So, um, you know, Austin's son's angle, he turns heel again, he feuds with angle for the championship. Austin would angle actually beats lose him, yeah, lose to angle and uh, and an angle lock at Unforgiven. Um, but he had an out, yeah, in 2001, but his hand was on the rope and he won that title back in a triple threat with Angle and and Van Dam. So, you know, he just keeps that's that that's that last little trade for that sixth title. Um Vince even attempts to strip Austin of that title after Survivor Series, but Rick Flair returns. He's co-owner of the company, he's the manager of Raw, and he gives uh Austin his title back and that turns him back face once again. Like it's he'll face, he'll face, he'll face with this guy all the time. This kind of starts that that just quick where they nothing really seems to build anymore and it spreads to other wrestlers. I feel, um, and then it's eventually it's it's time to unify the WCW title and the WWF titles. Austin actually loses to Jericho in a series of events, sparking a feud with Booker T. Well, that um, actually yeah. at SummerSlam of two thousand one, that angle beats Austin. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he beats he beats that's like, right right leading up to that. That's when uh Angle drove the milk truck down and did the whole beer truck thing, but it was with milk and he sprayed Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You you knew the angle was on the rise because he was using so the milk truck. Again, they're truck. trying to like copy what made Austin famous, but now Austin's a heel. It just yeah. didn't don't get me wrong, nothing against Angle. Yeah. I love Angle and he did a great job. And they had a great, great match at SummerSlam two thousand one. But it's just, it, the heel Austin did not work out, bottom line. No, no, I totally didn't. So they should have left it where it was, where he can, people can love him and people can boo him, but he's, everybody's buying a sh- damn shirt. When you take him, heal you, you remove a big, you know, proportion of that. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what happens. I mean, we, we know that uh, Austin gets it, he gets it back. Right. Um, and then Ric Flair returns and gives that title back, even though Vince is trying to strip it. So um, then, you know, you have a whole bunch of crazy events again, but this is where Jericho unites the titles. Um, and there's a, f- a fun feud with Booker T. The stuff that they do are, are hilarious. Talk about the matches, the church, oh my <laughs> the God. bingo hall, the, the supermarket. Yeah, they're hilarious, right? <laughs> Grocery store. Fucking great! Oh my god, that's yeah. like I, 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 you know, I love pro wrestling when you know, like we always say, when it emulates a sport. But if you're gonna if you're gonna put in comedy skits, do it this way. Do it how Austin and Angle did it. Do it with Austin and Booker T. That I mean, at least at least make it funny, like. Those those skits with uh, Austin and Booker and Austin and Angle that I don't think I've ever laughed harder at you know wrestling comedy than than I did when all that was going on. As much as it didn't sure, help behind the know. scenes, behind the scenes it really showed that Booker could go. Oh my god, and he knew entertainment. Yes. 
and that Booker was willing to play yes. along. Like it really helped Booker's stock. Booker in the was company. great in that in all those. It was fucking amazing. And of course, it was Austin amazing. in the background saying, "Yeah, Booker gets it. He's well, good." Like, and that I, I loved, I loved. Uh, you remember leading up to the supermarket um, beatdown, uh, showing Vince and Ric Flair in the, uh, the the sky or the, the the what the the luxury boxes, the suites or whatever, watching yeah. and just Vince's facial uh, reactions when Austin was you know catching up to Booker <coughs> T. All of that, yeah. you know, just just all that was fucking great. It was funny, so so funny. Yeah. It, it, it's good stuff. I mean, you know, we're, we're winding this down a little bit. We're getting closer to uh, where where Stone Cold is definitely getting closer to the end. Uh, let's talk about the final feuds in uh, 2002 to 2003. So just briefly, uh, NWO feud. Like it, hate it. Felt like Vince just wanted to bury it. That's why he brought it back. What do you think? Um, it's got a whole debacle. As far as Austin was concerned, it was awful. Because, no. like, I mean, everybody, I think, you know, like we talked about, we had a Hogan versus Flair episode. I really, everybody was Hogan v. Austin because Hogan was on WCW at this point. Whereas, like, before, it was fair to compare Flair and Hulk because Flair was NWA, WCW, and Hulk was WWF. And who would win coming up together, you know? Now, it's it's funny that Hulk is still is a part of it. But now Hulk is in WCW, part of the NWO. And Austin catches fire in 97 slash 98. And now you're just like, well, what would happen if Hulk fought Austin? You know, Jesus, now Austin's I, the I, second I, coming and Hulk's on the NWO on the other side or whatever. How it, they both were born in the WWF, really, as far as their major characters were concerned. Sure. So, I mean, like, what what's going to happen? So you get Hulk finally in WWF and and the crowd actually responds really positively to Hulk. You know, at first, it, nobody really knew that Hulk would be embraced when he came back. And then he came back. The crowd actually started cheering him. And so Vince right away said it's Hulk versus rock because they're really the pol- They're really the guys like Hulk wished he could be the rock, right? Hulk wished he could have the success in wrestling that the rock did and then be a successful movie star. Hulk never got to be a good movie star. All his movies sucked and he just couldn't, but the rock did the Scorpion King did, you know, uh, uh mummy two and all that stuff. And he was, uh, rock was becoming a really big movie star. So, I mean, he was leaving and coming back to wrestling, leaving, coming back at that point. So, you know, it made perfect sense that actually Hulk and rock should face off. They're the ones sure. that really people should have been clamming for and not Hulk versus Austin. So it was awkward because when Hulk came back, you would thought it was going to be Austin. And then when he got put at the rock, you're like, yeah, it should be the rock. And then now you, you look at Austin, you're like, well, wait a minute. Isn't he what the guy? Happened? Isn't he the well, guy that was going up and he helped WWF beat the NWO and all that stuff, which was led by Hogan? Like how how would how did that not happen? And how he gets the, and he gets kind of like the shine yeah. with, with Scott Hall in that and, and he's unhappy. Know. And this starts Austin. He first of yeah, all injuries are catching up with him, and he's unhappy sure. with the fact that he got he got put with Scott Hall at Mania. But I know we've talked about this just you know off off uh, off of the uh, podcast, and I know we both said we both agree that it's actually a good thing that they never wrestled for so many reasons. It never would have lived up to the hype. It would they're, never have been as good as Hulk versus Rock. Yeah, yeah, they're they're too similar. It wouldn't have worked. Um, it, it was they're too similar. We, we saw and, we got yeah. to see Hulk and Flair not work out. Yeah, really. yeah, it, and, and that's why time. that's why we we call Vince a bit of a genius in that era because he, he saw it. He's like, ooh, this isn't gonna work, and he just he walked away from it, which is crazy to walk away from. So uh, you know, you almost think like here he learned his lesson too. He knew that probably okay. Well, Austin um, Hulk Hogan sounds great. But will it be great? And he's like, no, it won't. But 
Hogan Rock. Here we but go. But at that time, you got to figure Austin was coming off a 2001 that was shitty, a failed heel turn. They turned him back face and then heel real quick. And then uh, it's just yeah. always a mess. 2001 was a mess after WrestleMania 17. And then so also, I think Austin was Austin was injured. Injuries were starting to catch up. Even though he had sure. surgery, his injuries were catching up with him quickly again. And uh, then he was mad at creative and that really led to bad stuff in 2002. He did not. Yeah. He liked Scott Hall as a person. And he thought Scott Hall was a good worker, but he just felt that I should not be in the middle of the card at WrestleMania 18, even though he didn't want to lose to Hulk. And I don't think Hulk would have lost anyway to Austin. I think I'm sure Austin would have beat him. Yeah, that's all but, the mean, rumor. They both. It was a whole po- political thing with Hulk and Vince and Austin. And that's what kind of turned it to the rock. And so I think Austin realized like he got mad, you know, he's injured. He's on the road all that time. He busted his butt. He broke his neck for this fucking company. And then sure. he gets he gets shit on. And basically, it's like, well, yeah, Hulk's going to face Rock. And they're pretty much going to be the headlining match for the most part. And you're going to face Scott Hall. He's like, wait a minute. Like, I fucking led you to win the ratings. It was me and Tyson. It was me and you. It was all this shit. And I don't get Hulk. Like, so he was mad, you know, because you want to know why he was mad? Because it was a comparison. He was a second coming, right? He was Hulk yeah. too. And so he's like, I should, I'm better than Hulk. You know, I'm, I, you know, my period was bigger. I'm a better wrestler, all this stuff or whatever. And I then made more he, money. Then I, yeah. So I should have got Hulk to, to beat him and to show everyone that I was the best, but yet I don't get that opportunity. So I think it just, it hit all at once. He was like, fuck, like they really, they really bumped me to the side. They really kicked me to the curb. That's what yeah. happened. And, and, and there's, you know, there's they, two they weren't that come wrong, up. though. They weren't wrong. And I no. understand Austin's point of view, and I get it. And I really do understand Austin. I don't fault him for being mad at all. But it just happened that way. And like, yeah, yeah. He got the biggest star since Hulk, you know, that helped them beat Hulk in WCW and win the ratings. Like all that gets doesn't get that guy doesn't get the I'm going to beat Hulk, right? That's the ending of this war truly is me beating Hulk, right? No, it's not. It's, it's rock. What? What the fuck? Like, and he's injured. He's tired. He's grumpy. He's pissed. Yeah. He's, you know, he even at this point, he was he drinking even, heavy. He was drinking really heavy and all that stuff. Yeah. And like it just, it all became and really at bad. this point due to uh, what he quotes as exhaustion. This is where his first no show comes into play, but he does choose raw and his comeback. And then um, there is the bite this interview. Uh, Cause I'd like you to play the segment that we talked about for, you know, where, where Stone Cold kind of goes off and you can you can hear them trying to steer him back and he ain't having it. Um, so if you can play that now, that'd be great. Bottom line is everything sucks. I'm not happy with the direction Stone Cold Steve Austin's going. I ain't happy with the direction the whole company's going. I think the writing has been pretty uh, so, substandard. Yeah, so that is where people started to see that Stone Cold was definitely, this was getting more real. He's definitely unhappy. Um, you know, and internet started becoming a bigger part now of everybody's lives. So you started, yeah, you started hearing reports of wrestlers being unhappy behind the scenes, which you never got before. Yeah, that's right. It's just everything starts to leak, right? And then Eddie Guerrero gets hired back to try to feud with Stone Cold, but it doesn't really pan out the way they wanted to. And then we get into the major no show where he literally the quote is he took his ball and went home because he was supposed to wrestle Lesnar like in a semifinal, not even a final uh, King of the Ring match and lose to Lesnar, who was on Raw, on Raw, not even on a pay-per-view with no buildup. So I do understand where he's coming from. But they also I think they all understood without telling Austin that he was winding down 
I mean, it was that's how they felt, whether you like it or not. And everybody loved the Stoner every single night, and it still moved on for a decade after, and that's great. But you know, Brock Lesnar becomes becomes that second coming of Stone Cold, or the closest thing to it, because and he becomes the youngest WWF champion pretty much ever. I don't know, I don't think Orton ever that record ever, right? And still, well, Orton, did, still Orton did. So Orton did, was younger than him. So he's he's basically the second youngest Orton champion. Won, yeah. Yeah. So. You know, but Brock is that first person to win at that at that young age and really um, start to put things together. And, and you know, and I, I think Austin wasn't ready to let it go. And it was the same thing. You know, at this point, it's 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 appropriate to note that wrestling was moving a million miles an hour. Even though WCW oh, yeah. was gone, it had SmackDown, it had Raw, it had you know their Sunday show, it had all this stuff. So it was moving a million miles an hour. Even after WCW was bought and it was gone, they you know they were starting, they were developing the brand split at this point. They hadn't hit it yet, but later this year the brand, the brand split was going to happen. And so they had so much talent and people brought over. It was just starting to happen. So it was the same thing the Hulk felt, you know, in 92 when Vince is openly going around, even in 90 when he was going around going, War, yep, Warrior's my next champ, you know, and like all that stuff. And like it was basically Vince saying to Austin, like, yeah, Brock's my guy. And uh, yeah, we got to go that direction. You know what I'm saying? And Vince, uh, you know, nobody when they're everyone when they're in that spot can shit on everyone who came before them. Yeah, they were too old. They didn't know how to get out of the way. And I pushed them out of the way. But then you don't realize like that's going to happen to you eventually. Right. Like you don't think that. So when Austin was on that ride and all that stuff, like he never realized, like I'm the guy, right? I'm the guy. Then finally in 2002, when Vince is like, yeah, Brock's going to beat you in like a minute. Like you're, you're, you know, he's going to win the King of the ring and he's going to be my guy eventually later this summer. Austin was like, what are you talking about? I'm done. And Vince is like, oh, you're not done. You're just, you're probably not going to win the title for a long time. And Austin was like, yeah, fuck you. I'm done. Like, fuck you. Like, it's just, it was, it's the same thing that happened to Hulk. And, but wrestling at this time was moving so fast. And this was right after the Monday Night Wars, like a year, a year and a half later, you know, people hadn't even like really processed, like how the war ended, what's happening, right? Like it's all moving a million miles an hour. So in 2002, he's finally realizing like, oh my God, like, wow. Yeah, I'm done. This is it. Like they're phasing, they're, they're pushing me out. Wow. I never, I was the young guy that was always like, move over old fuck. And then now finally, like now I'm the like, old fuck. Yeah. Now they're like, <laughs> get out. Like you can barely move your neck. Get out. Like, and yep. it's like, what? Like how could Vince do this to me? Which is the same thing. The Hulk was saying in 1992 Hulk just was smarter, not smarter. I, that's wrong. That's wrong for me to say. I don't really mean that. I mean, it was, it, it was moving slower because there was only like four pay-per-views a year, three. And like there were yeah. syndicated shows and raw hadn't hit yet. And like all that stuff. And so it was easier for Hulk to be like, well, I'm out of here. I'll make my own shit. Like, you know, Austin didn't have time to do that. It was just, you're, yeah, you're going to lose to Brock now. Now. Yeah. Well, I'm not going. That's right. What do you mean? You're not going like, I won't be at raw tomorrow. What the fuck you talking about? Yeah. I'm not going to be there. Like, you know, and it was just like, they never really believed him until they got to raw that night and Austin never showed up. And they were like, I guess he's not really coming. And that sucks. You know, 
it sucks that that hit him because it, it it was his career was really done then. Even though he did come back and he had the retirement match against the not retirement match, he never announced it. It ended up being a WrestleMania 19. His retirement match was against the Rock, but it wasn't announced. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, like, it, it, was it. And it was like, a good yeah. match, but it wasn't it wasn't WrestleMania 17 caliber. And um, he maintained a low profile until late 2002, and then him and Vince kind of resolved their differences, and we we get the matches that we're supposed to get right. So. And then from there, you got him um, on contract from 03 to 04. And he's so, yeah, basically, I mean, basically like I just said, like WrestleMania 19 was him versus Rock part three. And uh, Rock goes over. Yeah. And uh, and nobody knew. Nobody knew except for Austin and probably a select few that but that, that was, was going to be his last match. Like his real serious last pro wrestling match. I mean, I think he returned after that and he fought Bischoff and all that stuff. And it was, you know, whatever. It was gimmicky. Well, that's the thing. But, I mean, he, he's the sheriff of Raw and you basically get yeah. a stunner every Monday. What, he, what did you guys think of that? Well, I mean, before that, like he was not healthy going into WrestleMania 19. And yeah. the night before he is he was on the treadmill. And he could, his legs were shaking. He couldn't stop him shaking. And, uh, and he also started having weird heart palpitations and got really odd and felt really funny. So he actually got put in the hospital the night before Mania 19 in the emergency room. And they thought he couldn't go. They were chesting his heart. They were trying to. Turns out he just overdid the energy drinks the night before and all that stuff. I mean, you got to figure on top of all his major neck injuries, his major oh, yeah. nerve injuries. So, I mean, he couldn't stop his legs from shaking. Like, that was a normal thing for him. He just overdid it the day before on Red Bulls and just fucking pounded Red Bulls all day because he had press, worked, he had workout, he had all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, and just that night, his fucking body just gave out on him and he started fucking having heart palpitations and shaking and couldn't stop his legs from shaking even more than usual and all that stuff. So, he went in the hospital but he checked out like that the morning of mania 19 still made it still wrestled his heart out and uh that was it and you watched austin walk up the rampway at the end of mania 19 and he kind of said goodbye to everybody and you didn't know at the time that it was goodbye but you looking back now you watch and you're like yeah he was saying goodbye yeah he was it was over At least we got at least we got another year of stunners, you know. Right, he was raw general manager or sheriff or whatever you want to call him, and he had a lot of cool shit. Where after the cameras went off, he used to ride his quad all around and fucking drink beers, and he would uh, steal JR's office chair because back then, I think now they have the commentary booth at the top of the ramp, right? For Raw. Back yeah. here, they did. Yeah, back here, they did, too. And it was JR on the King. And so after the cameras went off the air, Austin would go up and take his fucking chair and fuck with JR, you know, make everyone laugh. And he would get on the office chair at the top of the ramp and crack two beers open and scoot himself down and roll all the way down on the office chair while he's drinking at the same time and crash into the ring apron. And he would laugh and beer would fly everywhere. And he did that I for a while. It. You know, it was it was good fun shit. You know, it was after the it was after the cameras went off the air. But you on a lot of his DVDs, you got to see him do that stuff. And he was just having fun, you know. I think I think he knew at that point. I think it, it it sucked the way he left, took his ball and went home, quote unquote, and all that stuff. But I think the fact that he lost to the rock on his last night was was fine for him. I think he really understood that. And I think uh at the end they said uh 
you know, after Austin got pinned or whatever, the rock hung over him and you saw him visibly talking to Austin and the ref came over and rock pushed the yeah. ref away. And, uh, and the rock wouldn't say what he said to him. He's like, if Austin wants to tell you, he'll tell you. And Austin said, he just, he whispered in my ear that he loved yep. me and he thanked me for everything that I ever did for him. And like, he pretty much told rock, like, thank you for, he told Austin, sorry, the rock told Austin, thank you for everything you ever did for me. Like you helped make my career. The fact that you worked with me made me bigger and all that stuff. And like, yeah, it was really cool. And so it would, I think he ended it the way he wanted to, he didn't want to end it when he did, but I think the way it ended i think austin was fine with it which explains why he never came back to wrestle actively yes. ever not even for one more time and i think that was always in austin's head and he said it on his podcast and many other people's like i i never wanted to have a final match i was i'm satisfied i'm really we want it selfishly yes right you know when we see when we see him on interviews now in good shape we're like oh he's coming back but i mean like honestly like we never wanted it uh, we wanted it selfishly but we knew it was the right yeah. thing for him not to do it and he, he never wanted the it legacy. he was yeah, he was super happy with ending it at Romania 19 with The Rock. He was he really got emotional in that it. biography, too, when he said what The Rock said to him. He got choked up. Yeah, no. yeah it was so, I mean, he never, he came back and he did the, you know, the characters. He was a raw general manager and that was fine. But to him, he knew my in-ring career is over. I'm totally fine with it. Like the match with The Rock was yeah. the way I wanted to end it, you know? That, and that's and what he, he wanted, I think. He wanted that last main event at WrestleMania. He's one of the know? few guys that's ever never come back, really just left and said, yeah, like I said, he came back against Bischoff and he fought some stupid match against Bischoff, but everybody knew it was a... But he but he does yeah. anyway. He does the sporadic appearances after 04 where he comes in every once in a while and stuns somebody. It's it's just the way it is. But it's never really been the same, you know, of that 03 or 04. Definitely never was the same of his actual run where he could go. So all in all, we're talking about guys. Here's what we're talking about. And there's probably more accolades you can list here. But what I see, I see a WWE Hall of Famer. I see 19 championships over his career. I see six WWF titles. And I see three WrestleMania main events. Um, what, what do you what do you have to add to that? And what do you have to say about the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Cuz hit it. Obviously my favorite of all time. Uh he got in. I don't even know how you put that in the words. I mean, the biggest thing since Hogan. He's the guy he influenced just like Hogan came in and <clears throat> put uh put wrestling on the map and you know broke through the uh, barriers and got into uh, pop culture. I mean, Austin, you know, he he did the same thing. I uh, great you can you can go down a list and you can say he he had great matches. He was a great influencer uh, in wrestling and in pop culture. Uh, the, some of the greatest promos ever. And just overall, like, I don't know, man. He, he's like the complete package. He's, he literally is the total package as far as, as a pro wrestler goes. So, um, and I don't, I don't think, and, and we were talking about this in the uh, previous Dark Match sessions uh, that, you're, you know, that, that you heard the week before this episode got, gets released. They're, they always try to duplicate and imitate, but they will never... They will never be another Austin, just like they'll never be another Hogan. They'll never be another Rock. They'll never be another Austin. And 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 to me, he will always be actually the greatest, the greatest of all time for me. It's funny because we just talked about that that they try to copy Austin. Yeah. It's just it seems so artificial and stupid. Yes. Like 
Austin became the next Hulk by not copying yeah, Hulk at all. Exactly. And and so funny, like the next Hulk or Austin, even if you want to call it that, the next big deal or big yeah, thing, you can whatever, say the next big like yeah. the next big star that's gonna capture the the casual fan and the media and all that stuff, the pop culture. Um, we'll never copy Austin. We'll never copy anybody. It'll just be something that's organic and that that fits today's vibe, today's uh, yeah. atmosphere. And uh, you know, it, it uh, what do I say? I I loved him when I first saw him, and you know, to see him, nobody knew in WCW that he would. Even when he first went to WWF, nobody knew that he was going to be the second coming of Hulk Hogan. Think about that for a minute. Think about everything that Hulk did in the 80s and 90s and like what he meant to pop culture and being a household name and what that means to becoming a household name, how big you truly get, how famous you really are in the United States of America when you're that stature. He became that and and he did it in an era that was edgy and that was crazy and all that stuff. But he fit perfect and he helped force it. And uh, but on top of that, like. More than Hulk in that sense, he was Steve Austin was a great, great professional wrestler and he was a great promo. So was Hulk. But I mean, he was a great, great promo where, again, if you don't put Austin in your top 10, at least in top five, because there's so many really good people on the mic, let's be yeah. honest. But I mean, like to say that Austin's not in your top five or top 10 is just a crime. If you say that, I'm not saying people do say that. I'm just saying that's nuts. But Austin was a great technical professional wrestler and he understood like how to wrestle and do well. And, and he was more mobile than Hulk was ever, yeah. you know, but at this, but so, I mean, yeah, Austin was seeing him come up and seeing all those things that we talked about the getting dropped on his head, but that somehow being the best thing ever, you know, even before that, the match with Brett and even the survivor series match before that with Brett and Austin three sixteen and all that stuff. Like, I mean, God, like I don't, <laughs> Dave, there were so many lucky times or as Dave says it, you know, uh, opportunity met preparation or whatever Dave said. I don't remember. It was so long ago. It was like an hour ago. Luck is where hard work meets opportunity. Yes. And that's what I said. I swear to God, that's what I said right now. Um, And so, but I mean, like when you see that, like how many times did that happen? Triple H had to be punished from the curtain call. The, you know what I mean? Like so many just shit had to happen. Like for him to just his rise he never would have won King of the Ring. If he never won King of the Ring 96, what the fuck would have happened? He never would have said Austin 316. He never would have done it. Like if he I hadn't went, been fired via FedEx. So many. Yeah, things well, I mean, not even that. Just like the luckiness of Triple H not winning, you know, getting punished from the curtain call months, not even months before that, a couple of months before that. And then them being like, well, let's let Austin win King of the Ring 96. How crazy is that? Like, how crazy is that? That is like. Jesus Christ, like that has to, that's like all the stars aligning, like, I mean, going all back and then, and again, now going forward past Brett, you know, Mania 13, just the things with Tyson, the stunning Vince for the first time, the hands tied behind his back and they beat Nitro and everything like, God, he, you know, he was me seeing him live. I saw him live right before he beat Sean and right after he beat Sean at Mania 14 and the pop was Hogan-esque and it was a star it was a megastar pop it was just something I one of the things I've never experienced or very few times I've experienced that kind of a you know you're in an arena with like 16,000 people and you feel it and you're like oh, this fucking guy like he's something this guy's fucking wow like I mean and, and he made me laugh so many times and we we didn't even talk about the fucking beer truck 
and yeah. the Zamboni That's what I'm saying. and the bedpan, yeah. the bedpan where Mr. Saka was born and oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. And oh, all God. that fucking the, the, the Corvette with the concrete and the fucking oh, uh, bang, bang, 316 and Vince Pease's pants. And all this stuff like the quad was, over I the mean, limo, right? We couldn't cover it because right now we're at two hours and we're almost two and a half hours. And like, you know, we should have covered that. But like, we just wanted to get like his streamline. But I mean, think of all that. Like, God, like that's television history. Any that's funnier than most like sketch comedies, yeah. right? That bedpan scene is just as funny as any co- comedian would do in a scene on a living color or SNL or whatever. That bedpan scene was just fucking gold. And Foley was a part of that too. But I mean, sure. like it was just fucking gold. The fucking bang, bang, three sixteen. the, the driving the beer truck in there, the concrete, like just fucking amazing. Like all of that stuff. That was all, that's all Steve, man. And, and he did it with Vince. Don't get me wrong. He did it with Vince too. So you got to give Vince credit, but that, th- that, those guys, they were enemies on, on screen. And they couldn't, one couldn't have done without the other, you know, and it just, it was so, and Austin knew what he was doing. It wasn't that Austin got lucky. He was that good and he knew what he was doing. And he, he accepted that top position and that fucking, you know, household name role. He accepted it and he fucking excelled at it. And he, and every week he did something new and different and special. And, you know, God, you, you, everybody knows who Austin is. Right. And everybody talks about him, but really when you talk about him, like we have for two and a half hours, you just like, you, you, you forget really how good he was, even though people remember how great he was, you just really forget like how great he was. And like, what, what a good pro wrestler he was. I will always go back to that. He is such a good pro wrestler and you could put whatever definition on that you want, but he really gets how to be a pro wrestler. Even before the Austin character took off the stone cold character, uh, Steve Austin is just such a great pro wrestler and he gets it. He gets it. And we always joked yeah. before about what's it, you know, and all he gets it. And uh, that's his legacy, man. Like he just fuck. Like, what do you say? Like Jesus Christ. Like he took us on a fuck of a ride. Didn't he like for the oh, whole yeah. time? Like, good God. Yeah. What, what do you say? Without a doubt, man, one of the best rides ever in wrestling, and uh, you never knew how it was going to end, um, but you always knew there's always going to be a stunner somewhere, and that's what you always, that's what you always dialed in for every. You know, I, and I know people. A lot of people can put Rock up there too, and and of course, Rock at yeah. this point is more famous for his movie yeah, career, I, I think, think than so his wrestling too. career. But at the same time, like you know, and I think that's what Hulk always wanted to be. But really, when you think about it, like if you really think about it at this point, like, let's be honest, like, you know, you could put the rock as like a wild card, but the two biggest wrestlers ever, ever, as far as like star power and, and, and mainstream media and household Butts names, in the seats it, yeah. is Hulk and Austin. That's and it. And being more like, committed to wrestling. Ne- I think Hogan and Austin rock is huge. Rock. Well, rock is huge, but like, I mean, rock, you know, left in 2002 i think is when yeah. he started leaving and the coming back for yeah. right? and i'm not shitting on the rock at all he's amazing rock is amazing and he deserves to be on the we'll rush we'll have a legacy as well yeah absolutely rock is fucking huge and like i mean just big people to this day say rock might be the biggest wrestler ever when you think about the way he is now and in, in stardom yeah he's a huge movie star he's one of the biggest movie stars ever and like you know as far as action is concerned and all that like everyone knows the rock and so i mean you could say that but i mean as far as pro wrestling yes. if you want to go back to the roots hulk and austin are the two biggest ever and and that's it that there's been no one after who's who's there been I mean, yeah, the Taker's been the longest longevity, but as far as household name and the, what they did, what they did for the industry and the way Hulk led, you know, whatever into the 80s into the stratosphere and then Austin led, 
you know, the Attitude Era and the Stratosphere and beat WCW and had all those iconic moments with Tyson and Vince and all this stuff. Like, I mean, those are that's it. It's Hulk and Austin. And you can have the separate debate of who's better. That's fine. And there's points and counterpoints everywhere. But those are the two guys, you know, like those are the two guys. If you're a wrestling fan, those two guys are the only two guys that have this rare air that have ever been up there that high besides the rock. But again, I explained why he's like a wild card, you know, no one's been after because wrestling's kind of declined slowly since that time, you know? Yeah. You've had the Lesnar's and you've had the Cena's and you've had all that stuff. And I'm not discouraging John Cena or Lesnar or anything like that, but you just, you know, the CM punks and all that stuff. And, but wrestling was mega when Hulk was the man and it was mega when Austin was the guy, like it just was just air that those two guys really the only guys that could ever share. You could love the Guerreros. You could love the Benoit's. You could love the angles and all. And that's all great. And the flares and sure. you totally are justified. But as far as like that rare air, think about that megastar, that fucking it's Hulk and it's Austin. That's it. That's it. Really? Well, there you go. Right? There you go. That's it. I, I, I'm, I'm with it. And Hulk so, is better, yes, but I mean, oh, no. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Uh, as always, <laughs> you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or download Wrestle app at no charge to you. Join us along with other great podcasts of the day. This is Dave, Jess, and Cuz with the OWP. You motherfuckers off. better listen to this show. It's two hours and fucking 31 minutes. Fuck you. Listen to it. Good God. Take some time. You have two hours, right? You have two hours. Listen to while you're driving to work or something. Yeah. All right. All right. Right? You know, know, I was going through my bag in the back. You know, it's funny. It's funny. I was... uh, I was uh, going through my bag in the back, and I couldn't find something. I lost something. I went in the back and looked through my bag, and uh, I found a can of whoop ass, and it had Hulk Hogan's name on it. You're damn right. It's a good night to be up here today with all these legends, and uh, 